Did you ever think you would make it? I feel I'm so close I could take sweet victory. I know this life meant for me. Yeah, why would you bet on Goliath when we got bet David? Value came in, giving values contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we get no value to hate it. How they run, homie, look what I become. I'm the, I'm the one. Okay, Hello? so Rob, what episode are we on? What is it? 366. 366 it is, and we're about to announce our next live with two people that have never done a, anything together, and they're from the opposing sides of ideas. Should be intense. It should be uh, insane. I'm going to announce in the next five minutes, so brace for impact. By the way, the last time we announced it, the VIP tickets sold out within, I think, 17 minutes, 18 minutes. But uh, we'll, you'll see here why that is. Anyway, stories. Lots going on. One, the story came out about uh, Obama using the DOJ, CIA. No. You, to, are you to, serious? Yeah, to, oh, to go no. after 26 of Trump's associates. We'll take a look at okay. that. And Trump even talked about this on 60 Minutes with Leslie. Saul. And he, she's like, come on. Come on. This would never happen. And in Kansas City, unfortunately, there was a shooting at their at their uh, uh, celebration. The Chiefs, I think, twenty two were hurt, one was killed. We'll talk about that tragic event. Half of Republicans say California isn't really American. California Congresswoman, folks, listen to this one here. Very impressive for some of you guys that are thinking about what state to move in. This Congresswoman is concerned about you, and she's saying, running for Senate, she's calling for a fifty dollar minimum wage. I think she thinks too small. <laughs> I think she can go higher than that, but maybe we can encourage her to do so. Obviously, they impeached uh, Mallorcas, but not only that, FBI warns MS-13 and brutal Venezuelan migrant could join gang forces in New York City. Could be a strong alliance between the two, the way it's looking like. Mm -hmm. San Diego border agents arrest 269 Chinese migrants, and Mallorcas personally was the one that rejected RFK Jr.'s Secret Service protection. I'm sure they'll be having dinner together here soon. Yeah. Uh, uh, unacceptable, uncancelable. Kanye West's album reaches number one on the charts, and he did a marketing campaign. He spent $7 million doing an ad for Super Bowl that you have to see. Okay, it gets 123 million views, obviously. But you have to see how he does this ad. He does it on his cell phone. <laughs> and he makes $19 million selling merch, net profits. Okay, wow. you just have to see this. I it has that many views. I haven't yeah. even seen well, it. I'll show it to yeah. you. I'll show it to you in a minute. Putin said uh, the interview with Tucker was uh, uh, one of the easiest interviews he's ever done. And he said he didn't enjoy it. He was hoping he would be pushed a little uh, bit more. Maybe we'll talk about that. Someone on we'll the show podcast the clip. was talking about that the we'll, other day. We'll show that clip. And then Biden and uh, Trump, uh, uh, Putin uh, apparently announced that he'll be voting for Biden. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, some similarities you guys have. Yeah, and rigging the election. For and uh, aside, aside from that, what else? Zelensky came begging for more and telling Americans if they don't send money, you know, how rough things are over there. And then the moment after the Senate bill gets declined, you know, it's said, oh, we're not going to be doing it. And Johnson said, we're not going to take it out. You know what happened? Everybody's going around yesterday saying something. We found out something terribly wrong with China that we can't tell you guys, but it's horrible. Oh, no. It's horrible. But we have to pass this bill because they're about to take out Ukraine. Uh, but this thing is very bad. It could threaten U.S. Did you guys see these? All yeah, these stories. All over Russia, Russia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, horrible. Oh, no. They could take out. So we need $95 billion to be sent to them. And more fear porn. 
but maybe it's real porn. We'll see. Nancy oh. Pelosi claims Joe Biden is very sharp mentally. Folks, if you've mistaken it, she says it. You have to believe it. And AOC defends Biden as one of the most successful presidents in modern history. If modern history she considers the last three years, then that could be a proper statement she's making because he's the only president we've had in the last three years. <laughs> Dow tumbles 500 points. Surging restaurant prices are making dining out even more of a luxury, and more restaurants are starting to sell right now than ever before, like getting out of the business. And I'll give you some more intel on that. Prices are more than expected in January as inflation won't go away easy. Paramount to lay off 800 staffers. A CEO unveils broad streamlining costs, efforts. JetBlue shares spike after Carl Icahn takes 10% shares in it. Jeff Bezos, guess what state he's moving to? Uh, not Florida. New York, not, not Oregon, not California. He's moving to not Florida. One. Really? And he's going to be saving himself. I saw not his yacht His yacht pulled into course. Dania Beach the other day. It's and not it was a like yacht. A sh- that's a city. That's a small <laughs> city. That's what it is. Yeah. Coca-Cola admits steep prices rise have hit sales. Gen Z, Gen Z, folks, if you're listening, very strategic. you got to give these guys credit. Mm-hmm. According to Insider, mm-hmm. Gen Z has discovered the ultimate anti-layoff hack. What is it called? Government jobs. <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> hey, Joey, let's go get a job working for the government. Yeah. They don't fire you. get a 3% raise every year. It's fantastic, right? You go to nice hospitals. Here's this next story. And you don't have to work. You just look at Congress. They don't work. That's right. This next one is so funny, guys. Lyft share. Lyft, you know, like Uber Lyft. You don't use Lyft. You're more of a uh, Uber I use guy. it all, baby. Yeah, Lyft share jumps over 35%, retaining some giant after forecast error. Instead of the guy was supposed to say 50 50 basis point, he says we're up 500 basis point. The market Woo-hoo! loses their mind going and buying the stock, and then they have to come back and correct it. You just got to oh see it. It's such an, a hour, funny, an hour later. It is a crazy story. <laughs> but but, but the, if, that, if that works by accident, you could do yeah. all, all the also lift in and over. I don't know if he's getting fined for this or not, but I'm if saying. you do something like this, there's a form of this he that can be. Per- like, I, don't, do I don't know. This was yesterday. You'll see why that is, yes. And then Lyft and Uber, I think we're on strike yesterday. Not taking people to and from the airport uh, for Valentine's Day. Oh, weird. Well, Bill Maher rips American bashing liberal celebs who vowed to flee the country under Trump. They're still here. Mm -hmm. Dana White strangely storms off of Howie Mendel's podcast after 30 seconds. Billionaire survivalist bunkers go absolutely bonkers with fiery, fiery moats and water cannons. Very entertaining to see this one here. And then we got a couple of the stories in the back that we'll go through as well. You know, uh, TV ratings, John Stewart's Daily Show return hits multi-year high. Wealthy Californians are ditching the state for the Beverly Hills of Arizona. And then maybe we'll touch up a couple funny stories here as well. But before we get into the stories, let me make the announcement to you, Rob. We have our next live coming up, and we may be announcing back-to-back-to-back a few more lives here in the next couple months. But this next one's going to be big. I've been... Uh, uh, Working on uh, getting this done with both groups finally agreed to sit down and have a conversation during 2024 election year. Both of them have a loud voice. At one point, one of them was number one for CNN. And the other voice is a loud voice that when she talks, people tend to listen. But here's what happens when you come to the live guys. There's about a couple hundred people there. We have a bar. We have a cigar lounge in the back. The VIPs get to go in the back and do mingling and, you know, talking to other people, taking pictures. We'll be there. I'll be there. But, uh, Rob, play the clip, and then at the end you'll see who the next two are going to be excited. on the live podcast. I don't go even know. 
That is going to get spicy. That's very good. <laughs> First time DNC. ever, Candace Owens and Chris Cuomo. Sick. Having a three-hour conversation, not a two-hour. We're going to touch up on so many mm-hmm. different topics, issues. It's going to be fun. It's going to be entertaining. We'll be making some announcements oh, wow. on that day as well. So here's my suggestion to you. If you're part of the text that you know when I send you text and you find out before everybody else uh, on any events that's going on, you know you already got this text and you're tuning in to see who it is. Now you know Candace and Chris Cuomo. Uh, you got VIP tickets, uh, Rob. If we put the link, is that, does that the QR code take it straight to it? Correct. Perfect. You got the VIP tickets where you get a chance to sit up front and hear all the exchange. Maybe even we'll go to the audience with the VIP ticket to ask a question pointed to Chris or Candace. And then you have all the other folks. The VIP also gets the chance to go to the cigar lounge with us in the back, have a cigar, sit down, have a conversation. Just yesterday, I'm sitting down with this lady in my office who is trying to sell us this land. Okay. It's a pretty big land. You know how she came and sat with me and sold me this uh, land that she's trying to sell me? Um, we, we, we had the most serious conversation yesterday. She came to one of our live podcasts. She bought a VIP, went in the back. While I'm having a cigar, she's talking to me. And then I realized she's got a property she's trying to sell me that's off the market uh, that nobody. And look, it's creative. You got to give her credit. But that's when you're in the right rooms to network. That's, that's what, what happened. Anyways, regardless, looking forward to seeing you guys there. Get registered. It's March 8th which happens to be also the International Women's Day, which mm-hmm. also happens to be the same day where the movie Cabrini comes out, which we had the owners of Angel Studios fly out to uh, Florida yesterday, shut down a movie theater, and we took 30 of us, and we went and watched the movie with them. Premiere hasn't come out to the world yet. The story of Cabrini, what she did in New York, is absolutely legendary. All of it falls on March 8th. From 9 a.m. to noon, we'll see you there. Take care. Okay, all right, so let's go to the next part, which is, what's it called? The stories here. Number one, Rob, pull up the Putin clip about the interview with Tucker, okay? If you have that, he's being asked about how his experience was with Tucker. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different things that are being said. Rob, you have it on Twitter. We send it in group chat. You should have it, yeah. Uh, uh, it's sending group. So, you know, he's being asked, so how was the interview for you? Was it what you expected? Was it tough? Was it, you know, w- w- were you expecting tougher questions? Was it something that you thought it was going to be easier? And his response doesn't hold back at all. He straight up sits there and says, you know, this was not the toughest interview. I was hoping for more tougher questions because I was ready to answer tougher questions because I wanted to show how capable I was very interesting that he's taking this angle but go ahead and play the clip я честно говоря думал что он как раз и будет вести себя агрессивно и будет задавать эти так называемые острые вопросы я не просто был к этому готов я этого хотел потому что это давало бы мне возможность также остро отвечать что на мой взгляд придало бы определенную специфику всей нашей беседе но он избрал другую тактику он Несколько раз мне пытался прерывать, но все-таки на удивление для, для западного журналиста оказался терпеливым, выслушивал мои длительные идеологии, особенно касающиеся истории, и не давал мне повода сделать то, чего, к чему я был бы готов. Поэтому, откровенно говоря, полного удовольствия от этого интервью не получил. Mm. I mean, but, but, yeah, hold on, Ben. That's pretty. Well, he he's he wanted. By the way, he wanted more hard hitting. He was prepared for the worst, but he got like you. I mean, you called it 
a, a Thank softball. you, Vinny. Look, you called it a softball interview, but yeah. well, now, now all of a sudden you trust everything that Putin's saying. Well, like now, yeah. now he's the trustworthy. Not, he's not is is not the anti-agri. Like now you love well, the guy. Thank you for that for validating my point. Is that you can't trust what comes out of Putin's mouth? You can't mouth. trust any you leader, trust. Any, anybody. But no, so, hang on. But here's the question. Yeah. So how do you process this? So how do you process? You know, it? I hate to be that guy and say I told you so. For, forget this is you know Monday morning quarterback over here. Of course, Putin commenting. If you watch that interview, you were and listen. You're talking to somebody that respects Tucker. Is there anybody more prolific in journalism today no. than Tucker Carlson? No. So I, 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 can, I can do accolades out the, out the wazoo for Tucker. But when you travel to Russia and you're sitting there with Putin, dude, I'm expecting some fireworks. Oh, really? Oh, really? I'm Guess expecting what? some if fireworks. If the fireworks are Excuse too loud. Excuse me, Tom. Well, if the fireworks Excuse are too me, loud, Tom. Adam, you can wind up staying in Russia for the rest of your life. So because you, by the way, that's all bullshit. You got to be a risk taker. You, you got to be a gun blazer. All, by the way, let me explain. Okay, Adam. No, You're Vinny. talking out of your ass because if you go to Russia and sit in front of this killer and you say some crazy shit, you're staying in Russia. Hey, listen, forever. They already wrong. have one there's reporter. There's nothing wrong with asking tough questions. Okay. No matter where you are. But when your you life are. is on the line, Adam, so at least he went there. At I, least I give him, I give guys, him credit. Guys, what I want to know. Do. Guys, guys, yeah. guys. I'm asking you a basic question. Yeah. What do you, Tom, I'm going to go to you. What do you think about what Putin said? Forget about I'm right, you're wrong, all this other stuff. What do you think about what Putin just said, Tom? Putin is a boss and he's responding like a boss and he's taking the road of power and the road of ownership. I owned the interview. I was in control of the interview. I was expecting more. I didn't get it. He also took a zinger back at uh, Western journalists. Now, remember, Tucker is there for a podcast, not a journalistic like press press secretary versus the press, you know, uh, you know, a briefing. That's not what he was there for. It, It was a podcast. And he's pointing out he was surprisingly patient. Uh, normally, Western journalists interrupt me and are not very patient. And he actually listened to me. So he gave credit to Tucker in a couple places here. And I don't think it was damning with faint praise. I think he's basically, you know, he's the boss. And he says, hey, I thought it would go like this. It went fine. I'm, you know, I wasn't particularly impressed. I thought he'd ask some tougher questions. But you know what? He was surprisingly patient at times like this. So I, I'm thinking he's, he's taking the boss position here. And he is completely in charge. Okay, so Putin's your boss. I get it, Tom. So uh, I didn't like say I said, that. What is like with I, you today? What are like the quips said, today? You know, dude? Benny got me fired up. Like I said before, yeah. it was a softball interview, and it could have been tougher. His Adam words were. Adam. His words were. I was expecting him to be more aggressive and ask tougher questions. He f- went on to say, "I was not just prepared for that. I was expecting that, and I wanted that, but I didn't get it. Basically, and I gave him the opportunity to respond sharply. He didn't." Furthermore, he attempted to interrupt me several times as a Western journalist, as Tom pointed out, but he proved to be too patient listening to my lengthy replies, especially about history. He just sat there and let him go for a half hour about Russian history. I'm sorry. There's a war in Ukraine right now, potential World War III. I don't need to know about Tsar Nicholas the 17th in 1750, whatever. Oh, it's pointless. And it was dribbling, and Tucker should have been tougher. You're with saying him. the same thing you said yesterday, Tuesday, which I get it. I understand what you're saying. What I'm asking you is what do you think about why he said what he said? Because right afterwards, what Putin turns around and says is, uh, Rob, what is that story about who he's voting for and who he would prefer? Yeah, I sent him that clip. Can, can you tell me? Okay, there it is. Let me just read this. Yeah. And we're going we're gonna to do all this together. Okay. I'm going to go to page, it's page 21 in the stories. Okay? okay. Page 21 in the stories. And here's what you'll notice. Okay. So Putin says he prefers more predictable Biden over Trump. This is a Reuters story. 
Um, in an interview broadcast on Wednesday that he would prefer Joe Biden to Donald Trump but was willing to work with any U.S. president, he was asked by interviewer Pavel Zarbin, uh, who was better uh, for us out of Biden, a Democrat, and a Trump, a Republican, Putin replied without a question, without hesitation, Biden is more experienced, predictable person, and a politician of the old <laughs> school, smiling slightly, but we will work with any U.S. president who is the American, uh, uh, American people have confidence in. When I met with Biden in Switzerland, true, that was several years ago, three years ago, people were already saying he wasn't up to it. I didn't, say any, I didn't see anything of that kind. While appearing of defend, uh, to defend Biden, he brought up an episode that embarrassed the U.S. leader when he banged his head while getting out of a helicopter in June last year. Well, which of us hasn't banged his head somewhere, right? <laughs> now, here's the thing. Key, key word to the question that Pavel asks. Listen, mm-hmm. Pavel asks, who was better for us? Who is better for us? Not who is better for America. Which president is better for us? Putin said Biden. Of course, Biden is better for him than a Trump is. Now, a few things you got to also be thinking about here. On All I'm thinking about is the position, why he took the angle that he took. Because, okay, so Tucker, I said on the last podcast, Tucker took the approach of getting the other person to talk. Okay, the more they talk, the more they re- uh, reveal. Now, do you think Putin was fully ready for any tough question Tucker was getting ready to ask? Yes. Do you think he was? I agree. I agree the fact that Putin was ready to be asked anything. Do you think the risk factor for Tucker would be any higher or lower if he would have asked the toughest questions? Do you think anything would have happened to Tucker? No. N- not at all, period. You're, this is a journal. Give me a percentage. I'll, let's give percentages. I'll, I'll give you mine. Go for it. Less than 1%. Less than 1%. Like you're saying something bad would happen Yes, to like Tucker? they hold them hostage. You can't leave the state. No. Tom. But, I think there'd been a 0% chance of that happening. And, I was saying, and Putin, Putin said, hang on my name, sorry. Putin said, I was ready for the tough questions. So he had his talking point okay. ready. Okay, so, so I'm saying less than 1% chance that that was going to happen. I was going to say 3%, but go ahead. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Like, I'm like less than 1%. I, I'm with you. I'm yeah. I mean, zero, actually. I, I don't Tucker th- is so high profile. You can't can do that. lock him up, for throw sure. away the key. You're right. Yeah. And, and so, so to that part... Putin's probably prepared for this. Putin's now the only thing I would want to know from uh, from Tucker, did Putin's camp tell Tucker certain topics that are off the table that you cannot ask? If that is the case, then Putin's playing games. Of course. And that's not that's not cool to do that, because if Putin said every question has to be approved by us and that's what his administration did to protect Putin and Tucker knew his boundaries now he's coming and doing this. That's gamesmanship. And I'm not okay with that. And that happens in politics and interviews all the time. When people call you and they say, hey, and then he'll say, I thought I told you I don't want to talk about that today. Why are you bringing that up? You just agreed with me that you're not going to. I remember Glumbeck was on one kind of one show, and the specific conversation was George Stephanopoulos, I think was the interview. Rob, can you pull up to see if it was Glumbeck, George Stephanopoulos? He steps away and walks away. He says, I, I, you agreed to not bring this up, and you're still bringing it up, right? So if that's the case, then he lost some credibility with Tucker, not that there needs to be lost credibility. He doesn't go to sleep worrying about Tucker. Who is Tucker to this guy? Unless if Tucker's going to be Trump's VP, he doesn't sit there worrying about that Tucker. So for me, there's a lot of games being played at him, and I don't know if we have the intel to everything. It would be a question I wouldn't mind asking Tucker to see if there was anything that was off the table that you couldn't speak about. 
But for, uh, uh, on the other side with Biden, of course he's going to want a Biden instead of a Trump. Are you kidding me? Any day of the week he's going to want a Biden instead of a Trump. It wasn't uh, George Stephanopoulos. Yeah. It was um, it's Brian, Brian Stelter. Stelter. Yeah, just one yeah. of the worst. favorite guy. Go for it. Tom, you wanted to say something, Tom. Yeah. And when you say who's better for us. Now, let's think about Biden. Biden is going to be on continuing to fund Ukraine. Yeah. So if that's better for us, I think that's a sign that they believe they're winning. And there's a lot of um, analysts out there that say Russia is absolutely winning this thing. Uh, then under Trump, uh, better for us. I, I, I'm trying to I think they're thinking about it a couple of ways because Trump is going to let him have Crimea and he's not going to have Ukraine join NATO. And those are things that Russia wants. So I also think that what you've got there is better for us means you don't have a strong America first leader who's going to take, you know, a heavier handed approach. We talked about this on a podcast. Actually, you and I were on the same page. This war doesn't break out if Trump was president. I think there's a discussion there. It's like, whoa, what are you guys doing? No, 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 no. We're not going to do this. And I think the economic hammer would have been there. And I think leadership would have shown forward. So I find it interesting when you look at the two things that would happen under either president on how they're of the opinion that Biden is better for us. And they're talking about predictability. Vinny. But with Biden, you still get the, a lot Vinny. of billions want, of dollars funding the war. I want to ask Adam, what, what tough questions, if you were Tucker, what tough questions are you asking this guy? And I'm being, I'm being, I'm not being an ass. I'm, I'm being genuine besides the, you know, the reporter question and something about why and when you, are we going to do this? What else could he have? Where would you have gone I, I, to let him to, to push his buttons even more? The last question he asked was about, Evan Gerskovich. Yeah, I think that's a very important question. Big I think time. journalists, uh, real journalism needs to be protected and the integrity of journalism needs to be protected. He's wrongfully accused of espionage, sitting in a Russian prison cell, rotting. It's the number one story continually on Wall Street Journal if you read the paper. I would specifically focus on the war. I would spend two hours talking about the war that is continuing to plague Europe. I don't care about Russian history. Yeah, I do give him credit about asking about the um, Nord Stream pipeline. There's some tough conversations to be had about Russia. Look, here's the bottom line. Here's the reality of today. Right now, U.S. and Russia relations are the lowest since the Cold War. We're not Biden and Putin aren't even speaking at this point. So to the point where. You know, I don't know about this, Pat. I don't know if he actually would want Biden. It's pretty clear to me that the right side of the Republican Party wants no part of funding Ukraine. Nothing more than Putin would want is to stop funding Ukraine, take over the territory that they've basically wrongfully possessed and just trounce all over Ukraine and Kiev and Crimea and the Donbass and everything. So I'm not I'm not fully convinced that he actually wants Biden. Now, at the same token, Biden is clearly a weaker candidate than Obviously. Trump in many facets. So it's so and, and by the way, just to circle back on everything. Do you know what's going on next month in Russia? What? Take a guess. Election season, like in 2024, 40 percent of the world is being uh, holding elections. Uh, Putin is uh, shooing to win. Obviously. In fact, uh, Wall Street Journal reported during the election, Russian authorities have, quote unquote, eliminated any serious opposition. <laughs> literally. So that's, yeah, like, literally, yeah. that's the reporting. So Putin calls Biden uh, experienced and predictable. We all remember the interview where he praised 
uh, Trump as colorful and talented. If you want to ingratiate yourself with Trump, just call him a nice guy. Tell him he's great, and he'll be your laptop. But 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 so so to answer my, answer my question, basically focus what's on the, the war. Well, hold on. Which was focused on? He talked about the reporter. He talked about no, no, the no, Nord Stream no. pipeline and CIA. What else would you ask that would have been this hard-pushing question? I would have spent two hours on the war. I would have spent two hours on war crimes. I would have said, why are you doing this? You know, the one thing you said, do you have any regrets over the war? No, my only regret is that I didn't act earlier. Yeah, but but Adam, because listen to me, he, he had a red line. He even said, remember... Nothing happened during Trump. He, Putin, I mean, I'm sorry, Biden said on camera, and Rob could find it, but you don't have to play it. He goes, he invited them to attack. He was like, I'm not going to do anything if there's a minor incursion. Who, that, in, who invited Biden them? said that about b- before this started. He goes, I, if they want to do a minor incursion, that's fine. Biden's words, not mine. Mm-hmm. So that's unbelievable that he would say that. And of course they want, but, but Biden's the most predictable old man. And it, it nothing else well, would have been asked. Adam, nothing else would have pushed this guy's bunt. They talked about the war. He gave the history report. He talked about the Nord Stream pipeline. He talked about the, the guy. And you know what basically said, Putin said, your side doesn't even want to talk to me. The fact that it has to be a reporter to go talk to the leader of our adversary should tell you a lot about what's up with our, our political establishment. Pat, so, Look, I'll circle back to you, PBD. You know, Putin just gave his response to the interview. Well, you know who's going to respond next? Tucker. Probably Tucker. Of course. And he's going to answer those questions. Was anything off the table? Was there anything they didn't tell you should or shouldn't say? Did you feel for your life at all? Tucker, who's now safely back in the United States, you know, railing on what he's railing on these days about enemies of the state and being a draft and all that. Let's see what he has to say, because he has a voice, too. Let's see how he responds. Did you see him, Pat? Did you see him go to the, the train station? In, um, yes. How insane. Because, mind you, they don't, they, you, when, if you think of Russia right now, you just think cold and they're poor. And this is just oh. from what the media does. But Tucker went on Tucker Shorts, I think they're called. He went into their train station. Bro, it looks immaculate. Well, I mean, they played a nice song. Yeah, if we can with. play that, I actually have a response on what that is. Did you, I don't know. Before he plays yeah. that, do you want to respond to what you think Tucker's going to do next, Pat? Or what? No, I, I can't because I don't know. I don't know if there was. Like, for example, when DeSantis came here, obviously we're talking to different levels here but when DeSantis came his press secretary called me the night before to get a feel about the questions and I said are you calling me to ask me to not talk about certain things she says no I just wonder what you're planning on talking about mm-hmm. so well, I'm going to talk about xyz okay great looking forward to seeing you in the morning they came so nothing was off the table like the DeSantis you're saying no so I was able to ask whatever the questions I wanted to ask which I did yep. but uh, to me I don't know if that was the agreement so then you as an interviewer has to sit there and say, do I take this interview with those five topics being off or do I not take this interview? The last time somebody interviewed him was this many years ago. Maybe I will still take the interview because I'm still going to be talked about worldwide. It's still going to be trending. I'm still going to get hundreds of millions of eyeballs, if not billions of eyeballs. Yeah, let's go ahead and do it without those five topics, right? Mm-hmm. Or you can say, I don't think Putin would care if you took to you know, brought up any topics. I don't know. I don't know the dynamics of that organization. I would love to do an interview with Putin. My approach would be a very different approach I would take. But if I had two hours, I would have taken a similar and a different approach in a couple areas. Because well, because I, I think I think from his standpoint, Putin's standpoint, Putin is such a um the word is the gangster. I yes. Putin's a gangster. And sometimes gangsters want to talk to gangsters. Is what they want to do. Pat, and, 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 you know, Tucker was, 
there's so much pressure on Tucker to go out there knowing no matter what you do, guess what? You're not going to be seen as doing a great interview. There is no winning when you interview somebody that powerful. Nothing. Mm. So you're not going to win. It's a lose-lose win, meaning it's a lose-lose win. You're going to win. Tucker won. Big time. But but it's a lose-lose at the beginning. Then you win long-term because after that comes who? Anybody and everybody has to agree. You don't have the brass to sit down and talk to me. And Putin did. You don't. You're you're one tenth of him. You're one five. So I think this is a this is going to be the beginning of a lot of crazier interviews. Look, like let this me ask you a question, Pat. Yeah. This is directed towards you. I want to do this last, and yeah. I want to move on no, to the next and, door. And look, I'm yeah. not trying to pull a Dana White right now or the Hallie Mandel and give you yeah. all your praise, and you walk off the podcast. So I'm not trying to do that. Pat, everyone knows you're a very gifted, talented interviewer. You didn't go to school for this. This is just something that you've... Columbia, four years. Yes, exactly. <laughs> just Col- Columbia and South America. Yeah. But, you know, you've interviewed mafia bosses. You've interviewed presidents. You've interviewed the greatest athletes of all time. You've sat down with major, major people. DeSantis even, everything you just mentioned. I think the next, my personal opinion, I think the next evolution of what you're going to do is you're going to be interviewing the Putins of the world. I think you're going to sit down with a Zelensky. I think you're going to sit down with a Maduro. I think you could sit down with a Xi. I think you could sit down with a Kim Jong-un. I see that for you. That's my opinion. But when you go to sit down with these people, if they tell you, PBD, hey, don't ask these questions. These are questions you cannot ask while you're sitting down with Xi, while you're sitting down with Maduro, how would you respond to that? Okay, so what things will I respect? If it's a mistress, wife, personal life, I'm not interested. You know, Michael had a relationship with the media. Mm-hmm. He never talked about his, you know, his girls and what he did, party and all that stuff. I'm not interested in that. Everything else, I'm interested in. Mm. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm interested in talking. When, t- when I sat down with Sammy, whatever you do, don't bring up my son and my daughter. No problem. I'm not interested in your son and your daughter. That's sensitive subject. I'm interested in everything else. And I'm going to bring up everything else. And I took six months of negotiation with Sammy the first time he did an interview. Sammy the Bull. This is, pre- this is Sammy just got out of jail. This is the last interview Sammy did was with uh, uh, Diane Sawyer, got you know 20 million eyeballs, and he's telling me it's on the phone. I said, I want to talk about everything else. But I'm not going to bring up your daughter and your and your uh, uh, and your son. And then let's sit down and have a conversation and let the audience decide. But yeah, I I would be open to that. But all the other things we have to talk. So if they said, hey, listen, you said, all right, respect. We're not talking about your personal life, yeah. wife, kids, family. Don't ask me about this war. Don't ask me about this. Then it's, you know, then it's not a real interview. Okay, so because you, because you would my my mo is the following. Here's my mo. I ask you a question. Okay, you don't want to answer the question. Guess what you do. Answer the question that you don't want to answer the question. Let the audience know you don't want to answer the question. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hey, so what happened with you and uh, Novani? Hey, uh, uh, you know. Uh, next question. Yeah. Well, guess what? Why is that a next question for you? Why is that a sensitive I don't topic talk for you? Exactly. So it's cornered them almost. But it's not even cornering them. Even if I ask three, four, five follow-up questions, your non-answer mm-hmm. is an answer. Yeah. And let the audience go and talk about the way we're talking about it right now is what is a non-answer? Why did he not want to answer that? Is it because he thought he was going to reveal something? Is it because, but that is still an answer, right? A non-answer is an answer. Like how you, the the conversation you had with Tom Brady, you said, hey, listen, the rings, Michael, Brady, Belichick, and he he swerved multiple times. And Pat's like, 
Well, look, you know, before I move on, I got to ask again, <laughs> yeah. the way that you delicately kind of approach that respectfully but forcefully, uh, I, I, I can th- see that. I think a great interview filled with tough questions combined with respect and a certain level of humility uh, uh, and a level of curiosity makes for the interviewer and the interview dancing. And when you watch two dancing in a great interview, you enjoy it. It feels great. I don't know if these two were dancing. I do know the direction and the style of an interview he took is to get t- it's to get Putin to speak as much as he did. Again, I don't know the behind the scenes, like yeah. what negotiation was taking place. Now but, you're, but you'll, now, you'll know when an interview is working. Now I'm just envisioning Putin dancing, doing some Russian. He can do his, uh, he can do his uh, Kazacho and I would do my Armenian music. Anyways, okay. All right, let's go to the next story here. Uh, lift shares jump over 35%, retaining some gains after forecast error. Guys, this may be one of the funniest business stories <laughs> of all time. So here we go. Lift share closed up 35% on Wednesday, retaining some gains after the company said it made an error in a press release reporting its latest result, but still outperformed analyst estimates. A release initially said the company was forecasting a 500 basis point or 5% expansion of its adjustment earnings margin in 2024. The correct figure the company clarified later should have been 50 basis points or half a percent. The CFO, Aaron Brewer, announced the correction during the firm's earnings call Tuesday. Lift stock initially shot up more than 60%. In extended trade after the report, before cooling significantly on the correction, the company's full-year report adjusted earnings before the interest taxes depreciation EBITDA swung from $416 million loss to $222 million profit. Rob, if you can pull up the stock on what it looked like, I'm going to turn this over to Tom. Go ahead, Tom. Still saying up. Well, this is snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. So the last two points you just made there. They had a $416 million loss. Now they have a $224 million profit. This should be a celebration that Lyft, who said, when we get big enough with enough volume, we're going to be profitable. And they delivered. They got there. So the stock should have gone up on those good news. So they've got a really nice earnings report, really good news. And you send the the CEO to the microphone. And how did we do it? I'll tell you how we do it. It was a 500 basis point expansion. Is that illegal, Tom? Can you get in trouble for that? Uh, you can get in massive trouble for this because in some places it's called pump and dump where you put fake you put fake news out that's right. really good. And then the people that put the fake news out dump the stock when it jumps before the bad news comes out of what's real. This that's is, called you pump get and innocent vibes here like it wasn't it was innocent mistake. I think this was an absolutely innocent mistake. And they went to the microphone about how embarrassed they were and quickly. And remember, we're talking not days. Pump and dump is usually like a couple days where you put something fake out there and then insiders are trading off, um, taking the win, and then the average investor gets screwed, that, that'll send you right to the Southern District of New York with the SEC and put you in prison, literally prison. This is just a couple hours later. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, sorry. It's only this. And apparently uh, it was the CFO's fault. The CFO had a staff analyst, according to the other stories that came on, the, that, that made the mistake and forwarded that stuff CFO said, yep, that's good. It's Aaron Brewer. Hands it to the CEO. He goes to the microphone and makes the announcement. How do you as a CEO not know the difference between <laughs> half a base, 50 basis points and 500 basis points? By the way, points? let me, okay, okay, let's, let's go there. 
What did we spend, not we spend, what did you green light the spending of millions of dollars to build at PHP? Bamboo, which was an amazing dashboard that gave us up-to-the-minute insights on every statistic. What numbers, as a management team, you insisted that we all were aware of it? What didn't we know? There's nothing we didn't know about. That's what I'm saying. Like, for example, prior to a meeting like this, you're, you're doing a quarterly call. You're meeting with your executives. You're having a conversation with them on what the numbers are like. Your CFO is spending time with you. And you don't know the difference between 50 basis points and 500 basis points? Exactly. For the CEO and the CFO. I don't know about that. It's a little shady. Not to go, wait a minute. Can that be right? That's yeah, it's what, did you say sh- that? Okay, let's just put shady, which I don't think it's shady. Yeah. Two, it's sloppy and lack of communication. It, it just tells me you're not a quality. How are you a guy running a company and not communicating with your CFO to know what your exact numbers are? How often do we talk at the beginning of the month to say, Tom, what's the EBITDA looking like? What are we looking like? What's the number looking like? Everybody it looks like we're going like to end up with this. It's like we're going to end up with that. And then you give me the final number. So imagine all, all of a sudden I do a call and I say, yeah, our EBITDA this month ended up being $72 million, one of the most incredible months we've ever had. Oh, we apologize. It was only $7.2 million. You don't make a 10-time you know, mistake like that. So to, to me, a part of it feels a little bit sloppy. Mm-hmm. I want to say innocent, but this doesn't because feel it worked, innocent Because, Matt, whatever it was, it worked. <laughs> you know what I mean? Look well, at but, that. But Tom, because it's staying up there, right? It's well, not where the drop. stock settled is the credit to now being a profitable company from unprofitable. Mm-hmm. Going from about twelve fifty a share to about six. That is a sign of they're up 25% there um, because now they're profitable. But the initial super spike that they got, you know, that was because instantly people thought that they had just cured cancer. You know, so it's 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 dumb. It's it's really dumb because to to Pat's point, how do you not look at something and just say to yourself, wait a minute, that can't be right. If you know your numbers and you're really driving your company, that's going to be your first thing. Hey, Fred, can you check this? That that just can't be right. Well, speaking of dumb, um, <laughs> shocker alert out there, guys. I've made this mistake before. What'd you do? But uh, it was when I first started out in my financial career. I, I'm not the CFO of a Fortune 500 company, but this was 2008, and the recession just kicked in, and I'm in the settlement game, and um, they start talking about basis points. And, dude, I can't even spell 401k at this point. I've been doing this for 17 years now. This is year one. Oh, man. Okay? Possibly year two. And they start talking about basis points. They're like, yeah, you know, the cost of borrowing money and the credit crunch and everything going out there. And it looks like we're going to have to raise our, uh, our price by 200 basis points. And I was like, holy shit. 200%. That's insane. I'm going back to my CEO. It's like, they're, they're going to raise the cost of the money by 200% is what's happening right now. He goes, what do you mean 200%? Yeah, I go, yeah, he said 200 basis points. He goes, yeah, that's 2%, guy. <laughs> I said, what? What do you, what's a, by the way, what's a basis point? I had no idea. Yeah. You, I guarantee you on my word to God, you have no clue what a basis point is. Absolutely not. Thank you for confirming I'm going to go to Tom. So <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. 100 basis points is 1%. 1%. Gotcha. So you just add two zeros to it. So if it's 50 basis points, it's a half a percent. Now the average person may ask, so why not just say yes. 1%? Why do you why, have to say 100%? Why, so, why, why do they do that? Do you know? Confusing. So that, I don't know. So this type of stuff so, happens. So what I'm saying is. For just, a, it's, it's for the community of, of <laughs> all these, this community. The, it's the not for you. Yes, but if yes. you're part of this community, you know. So, so we, we, have our, we have our traditions and our language. That's true. The, uh, <laughs> 
the language of the of the wise. All right, so let's go to the next story. Uh, were you going to say anything else? Well, I was just going to say for you know a rookie happen. salesperson to make that mistake. Yeah. It's cool. Okay, for Vinny to not know what that is, yeah, I get it. Let's help for out. the CFO of Lyft. It's not so good. No good. Let's man. let's help out Gen Z guys. Let's listen. For I think one of the things we are very charitable. Let's give some great strategy to Gen Z. Gen Z has discovered the ultimate anti-layoff hack. Ready? Government jobs. Bingo. Gen Z and millennial workers disillusioned by the recent wave of layoffs hitting even healthy companies like Meta, Google, are considering the unthinkable, working for the government. At a moment for young people when job security can be dicey, career development seems fraught, and loyalty to one's employer is in the toilet. Working in a public sector suddenly has a lot to offer. Good health insurance, strong benefits, guaranteed early retirement ages with a pension, and as a cherry on top, student loans are wiped clean after 10 years for certain public sector jobs. Sign me up. Tom, you hear a story like this. We're going and working for the government. What's the first thing that comes to mind for Gen Zers? Uh, Well, guess what? Lazy people find a lazy magnet, and they have found it, and they have found each other. It's I think it's in one one level. There's something there if they're saying, hey, I'm looking for stability. I see all these layoffs and all this stuff is seasonal. You know, wow. And the other side of me says, well, the reason you're worried about that is because you're being lazy about career planning and you just want to go sit someplace and cruise. That's not how life works. It takes planning and response. Things happen. Economies come and go. So I think it's a sign of just how incredibly lazy they are about their career that now they've found a place where you can be ultimately lazy and not even tasked to work hard. And the other element I see here, you know, what are they also worried about? Gen Z also, you know, surveys show they are very irritated by annual reviews and accountability. What? They think is harsh. That's so harsh. Judge Their favorite me? word. Yeah. So now they found a job that's not harsh, doesn't have accountability, and you can cruise and be lazy. They have found each other. I have found a, a, I know a CTO named Harsh, but let me continue. Fortune also reported on TikTokers who are hyping up the benefits of working for Uncle Sam. Having witnessed hundreds of thousands of workers lose their jobs in the past year to the tune of 240,000 job cuts in the tech sector alone, graduates now rank stability as their top factor. They're reaching, searching for a job. One of the biggest benefits, especially in the difficult job market, is security. A recruiter said on TikTok, watch this here. People in private sector jobs are three times more likely to lose their jobs than people in federal government jobs. She said adding the public sector worker can also expect to enjoy a better work-life balance with a lot more time, uh, pay time off. Uh, Adam. Well, um, you know, it's funny. I've been going down the rabbit hole randomly on – Richard Nixon lately. I don't know. I think I watched a Richard Nixon video. And then, you know, the algorithm of YouTube will just keep having a pop up. It turns out that, you know, the Watergate scandal is what he's known for. Even China relations. He was actually a very brilliant politician. And he starts talking about the bureaucracy. Right. And just the 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 gluttony within government. You know, when they talk about small government and big government, what does that actually mean? It's just the amount of jobs and the amount of waste that's happening internally within government. And he basically used this word. He says, you know, what I've found is that oftentimes it's little people with big jobs and they use their authority to basically push down on the little man and push down on the private citizens. And I found that so interesting because we've heard this 
this theme pop up from time to time. Vivek talks about the wasteful spending and the bureaucracy. We even talked to Putin brought that up to Tucker, your boy. Um, so it, it's interesting here, these government jobs and, and going to get these jobs. It's there's a couple of different themes here within that. They all start with S, the stability of, you know, uh, Having a job for life, basically, it's hard to get fired out there. If you've ever gone to the DMV and you want to know what it's like having a government position, there's zero accountability. You talk about going through clear versus TSA pre-check. Different world. Different world. Private sector versus public sector. The next X is security. They're not worried about losing their job. They're not worried about uh, performance reviews or anything like that. They're pretty secure and they're pretty stable. The last S is student loans. If you're coming out of college and you have a hundred grand of student loans and you put in a decade of work and all of a sudden, voila, your student loans vanish, that's very attractive. You know what I do like? I actually like the fact that those people who don't like to compete, those people who don't like the pressure of free market capitalism, those people who don't want to be uh, judged on their work performance, those people who don't want to work in a fast-paced environment, go work for the government. Because that allows us to filter out people that we shouldn't be hiring and don't want to be hiring who do a great job interviewing. Amen. There's a lot of people that are great professional interviewers, and then you hire them. They're terrible employees. There's a lot of people that are very, very good at interviewing, and you sit down with them. You're like, wow, I did this guy's role plate every single question you could ask them, you know, or they're full of it. They're delusional, right? So, yes, this is actually very good news on behalf of many people in the private sector who appreciate people who like competition. Uh, I'd like to thank all of you, the Gen Zers, who are going and working for the government. Thank you so much for saving us time. We are super grateful for you. You guys are awesome. Keep at it. Future <laughs> looks bright. All right, let's go to the next story. Um, just let me see which one I want to do here. Pa, 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 pa. Da, 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 da. Coca-Cola admits steep price prices rise have hit sales. Okay? So for those who drink Coke, okay, Prices for Coke have, Tom, this is an inflation story, I'm assuming, right? Let me get to it here to read it through. Here we go. Coca-Cola aggressive price hikes have led to a 6% increase, 6% revenue increase, totaling $45.8 billion in 2023, despite a 10% average increase in drink prices globally, with sales volume rising by 2% globally, but declining by 1% in North America. CEO James Quincy acknowledged the impact of high prices on consumer spending in North America and pledged to moderate price increases. Recognizing the need for affordable options, Quincy assured investors that successive quarterly price hikes would cease aiming for normalized pricing levels globally in 2024. While Coca-Cola successfully passed increased costs onto consumers globally, its rival Pepsi-Cola experienced a quarterly revenue drop for the first time in 14 quarters due to consumer resistance to higher prices. Interesting. So customers are open to Coca-Cola raising prices, but not Pepsi raising prices. Go ahead, Tom. Well, first of all, Coke versus Pepsi. Coke did a better job of managing inflation. It had inflation on labor. It had inflation on fuel costs, getting uh, raw materials around. And it had inflation on things like sugar, which is huge, and the chemicals that go into Coke. And Coke experienced inflation. And so, ladies and gentlemen, your Coke costs more because of inflation. But Coke apparently did a better job than Pepsi of raising the prices and doing it sequentially. And you notice it was telling investors, we won't be raising the prices quarter to quarter because why do they have to tell the investors or why do investors care? Because it means they make more revenue and it means that they will maintain their profit or maybe make a scotch more profit 
I mean, you see what they said, 6% rise in revenue and and then sales volume rising by 2%. So they got continued growth, even though they had to raise prices on consumers, and they did a better job of managing inflation than Pepsi did. And Pepsi was a little too aggressive, and it was too sudden, and um, people backed off. Well, America, look at me right now, America. If you want to know why you're fat, you want to know why that over two-thirds of Americans are obese. Check the stats on that. You want to know why your freaking kids are fat? Because they're drinking too much soda. Uh, a 12-ounce can of Coke has what? I think 40 30, grams of 30 sugar. 30-some grams. 39, 40 that. grams of sugar. There it is right there. One in three men and one in four men are overweight. Two in five adults. All right, so I overplayed it a little bit. You're fat, America. Stop drinking soda. Your kids are fat. Stop giving them soda. I will say that every once in a while, I'll have a Diet Coke, maybe a Coke Zero, maybe one. When I finished playing football and I was in the party scene in Miami, I was a 195 slender, six foot wide receiver. I got into the party scene. I would party for free all night. At the end of the night, I have a slice of pizza and a Coke. I ballooned up to 235. Fat boy. Okay. I made a decision in my life. I said, I got to, what what am I doing here? I've always been an athlete. I've always been in shape. Uh, I cut out carbs. I cut out sugar. I cut out soda. I've been 200 pounds consistently. For 15 years now. If you want to look in the mirror and say, I got to cut this nonsense out of my life, uh, that's where you should start. Number two, you should be thanking Joe Biden why you're not as fat as you possibly could be, thanks to shrinkflation. Because I remember a time in my day, back in my day, you'd spend 50 cents on a Coke, you get 12 ounces, 39 grams of sugar. Thank God you got shrinkflation these days, because now your 12 ounce Coke is now seven and a half ounces. You've seen this situation. Yeah. You should thank God they got shrinkflation, that you're going half the chips in your bag, fat America. <laughs> anyway, clean it up out pa- there, guys. Pat, pa- 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 when's the last time you had, a, you had a Coke? Like an actual can of Coke and you finished the whole thing? Sip. I just want to quote. I mean, he just said something very powerful. Yeah. What? Right? What? If you want to make the world a better place, yes. take a look at yourself and then make the change. Change. Na 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 na. But it's true, right? Pat. You last you, time I had, co- yes. I had like soda. A sip a sip. No, no, zero. Last time I had soda was July of 2019. It's the last time I had soda. Wow. I, I said this due to David Hayes and Ian uh, Benedict because they, uh, Ian said he hadn't had soda for seven years. I said, I'm going to try it for seven days. I was drinking three Coke Zeros a day. I dropped it. I lost four inches in my waist. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> and by the way, the only caveat to that, which is very important, you have to know this. The only thing for me, if I go to the movies, mandatory, due to my religion and my faith, I have to have, uh, I have, to have a, a, a popcorn yeah. and Coke slushy. Of course. That's a, that's a spiritual thing, though. That's you have not, to do yeah, that. That's but you do that, story. what, once a quarter, once, once a, in a yeah, blue moon? That's okay. Everything in moderation. No, no, not at all. Yeah. But for you fat people out there just chugging sodas left and right. Listen, something tells relax. me something tells me Adam's in too big groups. Adam likes so big people. Tells, I, get a I like big Adam, butts, and I cannot lie. You can't lie. I can't, yeah. I can't lie about that. Let's go to the next something story. Something you other brothers might deny. Not By the way, for the Gen Z people, okay, I got the right person for you to vote for, honestly, <laughs> for the Gen Z community that was thinking about getting a government job because it's more safe, more stable, and they're willing to pay off your student loan 10 years later. I want you to consider this California congresswoman running for Senate <laughs> who's calling for a $50 minimum wage. True story. Sweetheart of a lady. Let's go to <laughs> it. All right. So here she is. Okay. Page number four. Democratic representative Barbara. Why is it all Democrats or Barbara? All Barbara's. Right? Barbara Lee. 
is defending her call for a $50 minimum wage. I think you're thinking too small, Barbara. We got to go to 100 okay? 100 better. <laughs> $50 minimum wage. That's more than six times the current federal minimum wage in the U.S. Lee is running in a competitive Senate race to fill the seat of the late Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein. She argues California cannot get by on less than $100,000 due to the state's cost of living crisis. Lee was asked during a Senate debate on Monday how her $50 an hour minimum wage proposal would be economically sustainable for small businesses. She claimed she has been a small business owner who's created hundreds of jobs and argued employees need to be taken care of and have a living wage. Just do the math. Just do the math, Lee said during the debate. The current national minimum wage is $7.25. California minimum wage is $16. Just do the math. Honestly, just is this really when she's being asked the question? <laughs> can, I, can I just see the way she says it? I'm actually really curious. She's at smiling this point. already. Go ahead. You're calling for a $50 an hour federal minimum wage. That's seven times the current national minimum wage of $7.25 an hour. Can you explain how that would be economically sustainable for small businesses? You have 60 seconds. First, let me say I um, owned and ran a small business for um, 11 years. I created hundreds of jobs, benefits, retirement benefits, also health care benefits. I know what worker productivity means, and that means that you have to make sure that your employees are taken care of and have a living wage. In the Bay Area, I, I believe it was the United Way Shifty came shift. out with a report that uh, very recently, $127,000 for a family of four is just barely enough to get by. Another survey very recently, 104000 for a family of one. You can stop it Barely right there. enough okay. to get by. Here's, here's a question. Yeah. She says the math doesn't add up. Exactly. The math doesn't add up. Why do you think Big Macs are 18 bucks now? The, the, sure. the, 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 some Mac of these man. places are selling it for the combos for 18 bucks. Because if you raise the minimum wage to 50, every single price of food, restaurants, everything is going to go to the roof. Everything. 50 bucks an hour minimum wage in California. I'd love to see what she was paying her employees that she claimed she had hundreds of employees. What were you paying them compared to the market rate at the time? Yeah, uh, Americo, uh, let me introduce you to the most clueless, delusional politician in America today. Well, I mean, that's that's okay? saying a lot because Adam Schiff was next to her, so well, uh, he was up you there, know, too. Say what you want about Schiff. He hasn't asked for $100,000 annual salaries I mean, for employees. Because I mean, if you want to understand how uh, salaries work and what you get paid an hour, all you have to do is times by two, divide by two. So $50 an hour times two is $100,000 a year. Wow. It's a $100,000 a year job to flip burgers as a minimum wage at Burger King. Process that for a second. Just let that sink in. Clearly, this woman has never run a successful business. That's why she's basically trying to be a career life politician at this point. There's no way that she's run a successful business calling for $50 an hour because she would understand the economics of supply and demand and what they would basically mean for the business and for the economy. Keep in mind, she's not calling for a $50 minimum wage for California out there uh, on the West Coast. She's calling for a federal minimum wage. For everybody. So if you're in Iowa, if you're in Oklahoma, if you're in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, shout out to you, Nick Saban, you now have to pay your employees, your 16-year-old kid working a part-time job, Fifty dollars an hour. Do you not understand how nonsensical this this is? It's an absolute 
travesty that this woman Adam, is actually running you, for Congress. Do you think she's doing it just to make these like fake promises that politicians do, just to be like, hey, I'm running on this? She's She can't be dead serious. There's well, two sides to it, I think. Yeah. And the first side is, to your point, she thinks that this is going to guard, curry favor with voters. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to go. She's She's got the voter in mind. The, but, so it's voter manipulation, and she's insulting the intelligence of voters to think that they're going to gravitate to her on this claim. The second thing that's going on, this is classic, classic, uninformed, downstream liberal thinking. Remember I talk about the, the lake. There's yep. a polluted lake downstream. The liberals want to pay for a $1 billion filter to be put into the lake to clean it up. The conservative says, why don't we go up and see what the stream's putting into it and go up the stream and find out there was pesticides running off and factories putting things and stop that from happening. And guess what? The lake is cleaned up all of a sudden because we go upstream. Why is it she needs to go upstream and take a look at this? Why do you need $100,000 for one person and one twenty-seven for a family of four, according to those surveys in California? California. Want to know why? The gasoline tax, the income tax, high, both of those highest in the nation outside of Manhattan. What a point. Manhattan. And why? How about energy? There are article last week about Californians got hit with a surprise energy surcharge on their bill. Why? Because of mismanagement of the California energy infrastructure that led to those aging power lines that were sparking wildfires. That's a fact. PG&E was allowed to not upgrade equipment and they were they were sparking wildfires uh they took nukes offline in california oh we're not going to have nuclear we're going to have only green energy they've told people there'll be 30 percent uh have to be green energy green cars electric cars evs cost more than regular vehicles right now or hybrid vehicles so why don't you go upstream and look at all the things that you've done to make california expensive rather than going downstream and saying oh we need a one billion dollar filter in the lake to clean it up in this case we need a fifty dollar minimum wage here so people could afford to live here after all these after all these things have happened these things are you go back upstream california you voted for them and you need to vote them out you need to reverse these policies because it is it is changeable but it's going to take a decade to do it i love that tom story when he brings up the upstream downstream because it's very valid i'll tell one quick story when I first started doing social media content, I just went around interviewing everyone and anybody about money. Everyone. Millionaires, homeless people, college kids, athletes, rappers, everyone in between. Uh, one of the more memorable uh, man-on-the-street segments that I did was that I went down to it was downtown Miami. This is probably 2018 or so. Uh, I, there was a the Fight for 15 campaign going on in Miami and in, all around Florida. And it was all the... Um, Airline workers, the people that are handling your luggage, just, you know, the people that are checking your bags, just they're fighting for 15. And I went down there and started asking these people, how much do you make? What's going on here? Well, I make 725 and I, I have to have two jobs. The vast majority of them were immigrants. The vast majority of them didn't speak English well. The vast majority of them um, were new to this country. Now, I'm not going there looking for uh, asking for documents and citizenship. And I'm sure there's a lot of questions regarding that. These were people that were employed by the airlines and they were fighting for 15. And I remember hearing their, their stories and I was like, I just, I can barely get by. How do you make it to this day? But at the end of the day, there's upstream problems and downstream problems rather than trying to fight for, for more money, right? Rather than trying to say, give me more money, give me more money. What are you doing to improve your life, to speak English, to improve and, and have better skills? Rob, is this the community health alliance, the company that she started? 
Yes, but I don't know if the one that she started is still active. Um, she's back in uh, prior to taking office. She founded what was called the. Um, she can't say I employed five hundred people and the journalist not doing proper research to find out what that is because I I, I just went on right now on this community health alliance mm-hmm. uh, on Indeed with their available jobs that you can go apply for. One of the jobs is a case manager. Guess what they're paying for this case manager? How much? Starting base salary, $37,000 a yeah, year. Yeah, that's... Okay? Uh, so so I want to know, because her son runs an insurance company, and I want to... I actually am very interested to know, when you're asking for 50 bucks an hour for employees, did you ever pay that according to inflation to today? What did you pay your employees, Barbara Lee? Maybe, maybe you're right, and then we'll say you're right. Mm-hmm. You overpaid your employees in the marketplace. You overpaid more than anybody else did, and we will gladly give you a ton of respect here, but odds are you're going to be like Bernie Sanders asking for 15 bucks an hour for other people while you're paying interns 13 bucks an hour, and then all of a sudden you have to finish your campaign because hypocrisy's out and people are laughing at your philosophy. Remember that guy you interviewed, uh, Dan Price, I believe his yes. name? was he was the guy that was basically saying that everyone who works for his company yep. uh, would would get a minimum $70,000 salary, which is basically the equivalent of, what, $35 an hour? Yep. How's that company doing these days? How's he doing? Oh, was do he- you want to know what's going on with yeah, him? Yeah, tell me that. He's being sued by every one of his relatives. What? Okay? <laughs> He's being sued by every one of his relatives, and he had to step down because of some sexual scandal, allegedly. Mm. I believe that's what story that came out. Uh, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that this guy deals with, and and... He was one of the most uh, uh, interesting guys I interviewed because you could tell when I asked him, I said, I pay everybody $70,000 a year because that's the right thing to do. Yeah. I said, really? Yeah. Interesting. Because the story went viral. Yeah. Because he lowered his salary and paid himself 70. He paid everybody 70. I said, okay. So just out of curiosity, who owns the company? I own 100% of it. Really? Yeah. How many employees you got? 200. I said, listen, if you're going to do this, bro, why don't you give everybody half a percent equity of the company? Just be fair. Why would you keep 100% of it? Uh, because it's, they want me to keep the equity. No, 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 they don't. Give them the equity. Yeah, of course. Let them own it as well. Why you own 100%? What makes? I said, is it like a Jesus kind of thing? Or are you like God to them? Is that what well, it look is? Look at that picture yeah. right that there. Hair. But anyway, that it's picture, a very, there he is very right uh, unique but, situation. By the way, if you pay everyone 70, what do you pay your C-suite executives? It's 70,000. That's why Everybody. they left. So the minimum wage guy makes 70. Your C-suite executive makes them. 70. So it's not a meritocracy. It's socialism. No, that's exactly what it is. And it failed. And it well, failed, and it made obviously. one guy rich through equity, and it's the owner. Anyways, half of Republicans say California isn't really American. This is an L.A. Times story. 50% of U.S. adults perceive California to be in decline. 50% of U.S. adults, hmm. not Republican adults, U.S. adults perceive California to be decline, while Republicans particularly negative at 48%, not really American. Many Republicans view California unfavorably, with 30% believing it has a worse natural environment than any other state. And 40% not considering it a good place to visit. Christian Bork of uh, Allegra noted, if you are a more conservative American, you basically do not like California. Despite political division, 60% of adults nationwide see California as a trend trendsetter, with 70% of younger Americans expressing their sentiment. Well, move there. It's a great place for you. Additionally, younger uh, individuals are twice as likely to consider moving to the state. Fantastic. Citing job opportunities as a primary reason, conservative attacks on California fueled by media and politicians contribute to negative views with 75% of Republicans considering the state unsafe. Governor Newsom, progressive agenda, including climate and healthcare policies, has intensified this divide. Did you see the recent clip with uh, the girl that was on, um, 
on uh, uh, oh that's the one yeah she, what's her name Gilmore. she's the fitness uh, Jillian Michaels what's Julie, her name Julie. Jillian Michaels Jillian Michaels go ahead and yeah. play this clip I thought it was very interesting trying to get Gavin to run for president for a very long uh, time <laughs> are you serious uh, are we living in Gavin Newsom's California why yeah and I'm sure your life is just a I look at him look at him oh right you're Moved in Florida. Miami so you know what Jillian hit me I'll up tell you something lived here my in whole 2020, life in 2020 I I I've lived here since 83. Okay. And I love where I live. Yeah, I no love shit. California. I, I mean, Malibu. I'm dug in here. I did in 2020 when there was a week when the sun was blotted out from the sky because of fires. I did look at moving to Florida. Now, I think it was a little like when I was contemplating high, uh, suicide when I was in <laughs> high school and college. If I got laid once, I would stop to kind of, and I don't think I was ever really going to do it. Um, but I did actually, or get married, you know, I was engaged once, but you know, there are things you, you, in your life, you're like, you know what, I might do that. And part of you is like, yeah, never going to do that. Okay. So, I mean, and I think moving to Florida is in that category, but I did look at it because I share your frustrations with California. Oh, I do. And I said, those are the things I was saying to him. I mean, this is one I think things, I could pretty, I could speak to again, pretty, pretty you, eloquently. But are you happier in Florida? Yeah. What 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 is it in Florida that's that's over that compensated more than what you had here? Um, everything it feels less crazy than it does here. Here you just Florida's like, less crazy. Yeah. Yes. Hear me out. Hear me out on this. Really? Here's the place I mean. where the people are the, okay. on yeah, bath salts like Your fucking girl, an alligator. Sage steel. Yes, that's what we're all doing like, over here. What was the moment when you felt like California had lost its mind? And it was a piece of legislation that I, I can't recall. Did it affect your life? But Bill, did it affect your is life? Is the crime affecting our lives? Is, is the homelessness it, is affecting crime, our was lives? Was crime affecting your life? My, here yeah, in absolutely. My house got broken into. Your house got broken into. Yes, and it's, he's shocked. He's shocked. Relationship with PG and E. My house burned down in 2018. Where's your house? I haven't been Malibu. <laughs> Nothing like Malibu. Malibu. It's, it's, a, yeah. a, it's a PG and E. Wow, there it is. Joke. It's Malibu. a joke. I got. <laughs> Things so, are rough out there. No, okay. like, By the way, our, oh, it, it was so nuts. Who wants to go first? And I made this point though. We're making and, a joke about her house burning down. Just, well, things are rough out there, and she quoted PG&E, which we were just talking about. It's 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 a clear case of especially people like him, the elite. He's living in the hills. He's guarded. He dude. None of the things that are affecting average people is bothering him. And mm -hmm. and then when you ask him, like he's like, oh, what was so bad? My house was burned down. It, uh, you know what I mean? They broke into the house. How, crime is up. And he's like, oh, really? Yeah, it is, Bill. You're out of touch, bro. He goes from his car to the house to the studio and nothing. He doesn't have to deal with anything. Classic the average American, liberal. The average Californian does. And, bro, I'm telling you right now, when's the last time you were in California, Tom? Uh, on purpose? <laughs> yeah, but you see it, right? You're seeing the homelessness. You're seeing when we the went to the uh, uh, Republican You're, debates. Yeah, yeah we just, went uh, wait, uh, uh, it, Reagan it, National Library. I'll tell you, I go to California, business, a random wedding, and unfortunately, um, and you leave funeral. three years ago, a funeral. Yeah, um, and you leave. So in other words, it's appointment. It's life appointments. It's not. Like, hey, let's take a vacation back and go down to Dana Point. Nope. Sorry. I just don't happening. I just don't like let's the go shock ski at Mammoth. Nope. I don't like the shock factor of Bill like what yeah, yeah Bill. 
At normal people have problems with the freaking state. It's it's going to shit. Let me tell you, there's a difference between stereotypes and reality. I listen, born and raised in Miami, lived in Florida my whole life, went to Florida State. I've lived in every city up and down the state of Florida. The stereotype of we're all just having sex with alligators on so bath stupid. salts is such a ridiculous s- slander. But here's the reality of going in California. And Bill talks about this all the time. It's so crazy. He can go to the ninth step. He just can't get to that 10th step. He's constantly talking about the wokeism. He's constantly talking about kids being indoctrinated, about the regulations, trying to build something on his house, an extension of a house that takes seven years when it should have taken seven days. He talked about the taxes. He talked about the crime. He's talked about the homelessness. But there's some personal relationship with Gavin Newsom, which he mentioned him. on the podcast. He with loves you. him. He said, I love him. That he can't just take that next step. So... Yeah, here we'll get to that. So the 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 reality is he's like he's he's ninety percent there, but that he can't just basically recognize what the hell's going on here. You know how they say that you know Florida is Florida man, it's Florida man. Oh, he's having sex with alligators. Well, California man is actually a woman now because they're transitioning and all the kids are basically woke now. Good point. So what is California man to you, Bill? So that's like uh, that. And then you know you want me to read this story right here. So um, there, I, I will say this. I'm. I'm a Bill Maher fan on Real Time with Bill Maher. Why? Because it's scripted. And 30 writers. 30 writers are writing And it's so well done. There's a difference between Club Random when he's just smoking a joint and just kind of like, you know, going on on his own. But his writing on um, uh, Real Time is fantastic. It's not his writing, but go ahead. But his writer. So I'll give him credit with that. But here's a story right here. Bill Maher rips America bashing liberal celebrities who vowed to flee the country under Trump. Yet they're all still here. Here's the story. So uh, Mar bashed Americans who complain about living in the U.S., beginning with politicians like a progressive state representative candidate in New Hampshire. Do you have a video on this, Rob, to just... Oh. Okay. Who posted on social media saying, I need to get the out of this country. That's a candidate for Congress. Go ahead and play it. There's a long list of liberal celebrities who swear that... Oh, if a Republican is elected, and no one ever does... Miley Cyrus once said, I am moving if Trump is my president. I don't say things I don't mean. Here she is looking miserable, having to endure America (laughs) at the Grammys last Sunday. I guess she, uh, I guess she flew back from Tajikistan. Still here. But by the way, in that segment, he goes on to Eddie Griffin. Still here. I think we have a couple pictures of that, don't you? Uh, Rob, I don't know if you want to pull that up. So Eddie Griffin, the comedian, he basically said, um, if Trump wins, I'm moving to Africa, yet still here. He talked about Molly Cyrus. Our friend George Lopez, we have to worry about immigration. We'll all go back. Nope, still here. So all these celebrities who are basically saying, I'm leaving to Canada. I'm fleeing to Canada. We've seen, we've seen another Girls on the View, Whoopi Goldberg. All these people uh, yet are still here. You know, talk is cheap, guys. If you want to leave America, okay, you can go get a one-way ticket. Did anybody to ever actually leave, Rob? Did I, anyone ever leave? Just because if they did, you got to respect them. I, I, while he's looking, I don't think so. But you know, he has on his show uh, new rule, new rule. How about this as a new rule? <laughs> if you ever publicly utter the words "I am moving out of the United States," if and that if happens. You have to leave. And don't let our flag hit you on the ass on the way out. I love it. I'm tired of all this talk about how shitty this place is. And if this happens, it's just out of touch, insane people. It's like, just shut 
up. But I think, like, new rule. Okay, get the hell out of here then. Stop talking because that if, if Trump wins, guess what? The odds are he is, if they don't freaking illegally try to hold him out, leave. Go. You, where would you go? Go somewhere else. Yeah. Americans yeah, I'll, I'll don't you, cut and run. Americans stay and fix it. Rob, these are more people that threaten. I'm sorry, share, Tom. Share I just want to see the share. I know John Stewart say that or no on the bottom. Yeah, he, he yeah. said what? Did he really say it? What did he say, though? John Stewart said he also... Getting in a the- rocket and going to another planet because clearly this planet has gone bonkers. This okay, so Neo, who else? Neo came around later on, by the way, I think. Chelsea Handler. Oh, my girl. Keep yeah, going. shocker alert. So hot. I don't know who this is. That's Keep going. Key and Peele. Oh, Key and Peele. Okay, oh, got Lena it. Lena Dunham, for sure. She's, She's the not face in Canada of Gen yet? Z, by the way. Go to Canada. Neve Campbell. All these Brian people. Cranston. Brian Keep Cranston. Going. Yeah, shut up. Who Cyrus. else? Barbara's Did she to... leave? No, Barbara's no. still here. They're all still here, Pat. Tom, go ahead, Tom. <laughs> so I'll give you three words on this. Arrogant, petulant, and headlines. So first of all, it's arrogant to say, me and my great talent. I was hoping you would say one of the things. <laughs> yeah, he said it once. Arrogance. Me and my great value, I will deprive you of me. That's just pure arrogance and, and, and self-importance. Petulant. It's like stomping your, I will hold my breath till I die if I don't get ice cream. It's just a petulant scream. And then what celebrity doesn't like headlines? And this is a way to get headlines appearing to lead the resistance as this voice of the opposition. That's all this is. Nobody's ever serious about doing it. It's just ang- arrogance, petulance, and looking for headlines. That'd be great, though, if you think about it, if we had like a like a department of law enforcement that shows up to your house and goes, hey, Barbara, uh, you know that if Trump won, you got to you got to leave, pack up your shit and go. I would love that. I, I'd have a if I was president, I'd have a, a new cabinet secretary of consequences. <laughs> yeah. And when when things happen like this, yeah, the, I would say I am I am referring this matter to the secretary of consequences. So and we're going to move straight. But to yeah, that. That's so the beauty the, of America. Love it or you leave can it. Talk department. as much shit as you want. And there's no accountability right yeah. there. But Vinny wants to put a council of accountability out 100%. there. If you threaten to leave. But, li- we go back it up. Hey, brother, love it or leave it. Hey, get, buddy. Get the hell America. out of here. You want that drink? I'll go get it, brother. Uh, it fell? Yeah. Tuck and roll. Yeah, that's American brotherhood right there. Guys, look at Vinny Dan, in that shot right there. Oh, right. yeah. Damn, the way he did. <laughs> yeah, Vinny. Damn right. Vinny, one thing I know about Vinny, hates the camera. Does not. So, Vinny, what happened with uh, uh, Obama, CIA? Oh, can you give us a little yeah, bit of info on yes, what happened there? Yes, I can. Uh, let me, uh, Was something so, in the news? Yeah, something know. in the news. So, Obama, his, uh, his CIA asked foreign agencies to spy on Trump's associates. And Roger Stone was one of those guys. I know, like, uh, I talked to him yesterday. He was one of these people. It's your buddy. So, which, if you think about it, what this is the best way to do it. Have someone else do the dirt, and you get the goods. You know what I mean? So this report has not been confirmed by mainstream media, but why would they confirm it when they're all biased against Trump? So why? You know what I mean? Like, it's, 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 it's obvious. So the people who reported it are credible as hell, Matt Taibbi and Mike Schellenberger. And let's not forget, do you know who the CIA director was at the time of all this, guys? Anybody? John Brennan, okay, Mr. Deep State himself. Uh, he despises Trump. And do you guys know what his job is right now, Tom? The, the, the ex-director of the CIA. Guess what, his, guess what he does right now? Uh, he's working for a think tank, like uh, for international interests. MSNBC analyst, and you know what they do? They, okay, okay. They just bash Trump every single turn he gets. He's been bashing him from from the beginning. And if you hear the report from two credible reporters, it's not hard to believe that Trump 
was spied on. And Rob, do you have the, the clip that I sent you of, of, of Brent? This is John Brennan in 2018. By the way, this is the guy that's supposed to be non-biased. Look at how he talks about uh, Donald Trump. Look at this guy. Do we have John, the reputation of the office of the presidency. He is, I think, the most divisive president we've ever had in the Oval Office. He is. Oh, what the heck? Oh, damn. Charmin? Because you're so full so, of shit, Vinny. Well, they want you to wipe your ass right now. Well, basically, Sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah, go. Hatred and animosity and misunderstandings among Americans. I and so many other former national security uh, officials are speaking out because of the uh, abnormal and aberrant uh, behavior uh, of uh, Mr. Trump. This is a very large and painful national kidney stone. <laughs> the relief we feel afterward is going to be just exhilarating. He's asked, why does he sound British? He's a, yeah, uh, oh, by the way, put your composite. So think about this. It, and people are like, Wood, it's not, it's not widely reported. Dude, they were 100% spying on him before. That, th this guy hates Donald Trump. And then add on to it, Hillary, meanwhile, was with the FBI, you know, all these Pfizer reports and all this stuff, doing the fake Russian collusion. It's like, bro, Trump had everybody was against him. He still won. And that's why, bro. And then they made his life a living hell once he got in. That's why, Adam, I know we talked about this last time when they were talking about the Trump presidency with the pro-redemption. Bro, that'd be the first thing I would come in and I would be. He has every right to be upset. It, it's called election interference. Obama had the CIA doing this before he even got elected. Hillary was doing her, her thing once he got in, made life for him and for the rest of us living hell. Still to this day, people are like, no, he's a, Ru he's a Russian asset. Don't so think about that. No accountability for Obama. Your CIA, that scumbag, Mr. Deep State, was spying on everybody, looking and digging for dirt to get him to, uh, to put him in jail. It's, it's unbelievable. And then today, look what they're doing with him. This guy's nonstop. That's why more and more, about every single day that goes by, I'm like, dude, this guy actually came in and genuinely gave a shit about us. Adam, thoughts? I, uh, this is the beauty of America, guys. John Brennan, um, he's entitled to his opinion. But uh, this, we, we, we know what happens when you just pick a side. MSNBC has chosen their side. This is sort of irrelevant, but it's very relevant. There's a reason that Greg Gutfeld is the number one late night talk show in America today. He's not the funniest. He's not the most talented. He's certainly not the most creative. Colbert, Fallon, Kimmel, all these guys, infinitely more talented. Probably not Kimmel, but certainly the other guys. But 50% of the country, at least you're alienating. And when you call someone deplorable, when you call someone an idiot, when you basically say there's a basket of deplorables, you're basically admonishing everybody else and calling them losers. So if John Brennan wants to basically dismiss half the country, that's his choice. I get it. Just like MSNBC has basically but, done. There needs to be uh, uh, accountability. accountability but, does it bother, but I'm saying is, though, does it bother you that these reports from credible, these are credible guys, Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger, they're not lightweights, bro. These guys are doing actual Do we work. have the Leslie uh, Oh yeah, uh, that's, that's Okay, guys, I'm so, yeah, thanks for reminding me, Pat. This is, this is Trump telling Leslie Stahl on 60 Minutes, they are spying on me. He obviously has evidence, and look at her, her leftist Go liberal attitude. So, the biggest scandal was when they spied on my campaign. They spied on my well, campaign, There's Leslie. no real evidence of that. Of course there is. No. It's all over the place. Leslie, Sir, they spied on my campaign and they got I, caught. Can I say something? You know, this is 60 Minutes. Really? 
and we can't put on things we can't they verify. They won't put it on because it's bad for Biden. We can't <laughs> put on things we can't verify. Leslie, they spied and, on my campaign. Well, we can't verify It's been totally that. verified. No. It's been, just go down and get the papers. Get the papers. They spied on my campaign. They got caught. No. And then they went much further than that, and they got caught. And you will see that, Leslie. Yeah. And you know that, but you just don't want to no. put it on. No. Yes. As a matter of fact, I don't know. Yes. Yeah, uh, can I say one thing? Yeah. The, the old uh, adage, fool me once, right? Can't get, can't get fooled again. Yeah. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. There's a lot of Americans myself included, for, fell for a lot of this. And this isn't left-wing talking points. 60 Minutes is a very mostly moderate, sensible, longest run, one of the longest-running television sh news shows in American history. Moderate? Okay, which I'm saying mostly. Which episode did you watch? Thanks, Tom. But for the most part, they actually are journalists, traditional journalists. But a lot they're, of Americans... They're left, but they're not far left. No, they're not far left I, at all. Okay. I don't know. I, I guess anything that is center-left to Tom is, is, a, is a whack job... Uh, communist but that's another point oh, but there's a go. lot of americans yeah. who basically were looking at this and they watch 60 minutes or they watch what's formerly known as cnn or they watch 2020 and they just get their normal news or they watch late night news and they're like holy shit this guy trump he's really he's really this that and the other i guess, I guess it's true but fool me once shame on you fool me twice. Yeah. i mean a lot of the stories that trump basically refuted and a lot of the stories actually turned out to be true but, but, but my question was going back to it, is like like does it bother you that obama because this is obama i hate when they say obama cia barack obama had the cia use for and foreign agencies to spy on 26 people for trump looking for something to get that's cheating election interference it's unbelievable there's going to be no accountability because he's untouchable and then look at i sent rob this one too cnn and all these leftists don lamont uh, f the fruity last name. He. This is him. Look at look at the coverage of of how they covered Trump. Listen to this. Maybe the biggest lie of all. Repeatedly and with no facts to back him up, making the outrageous claim that the so-called deep state spied on his campaign. He did it again today. Oh no. But I hope it's not true. But it looks like it is. Yeah. It's not true. <laughs> yeah, it That's is. Good. It's a lie. No, it's not. Did the intelligence community spy on, on President Trump and his campaign? Uh, no, we did not. <laughs> this is not just an angry president popping off. This is a deliberate and coordinated effort to save his presidency, to cast doubt on the Russia investigation by repeating a lie, repeating it every chance he gets. And that repetition is a key part of, of the strategy here, because if you hear him say the same thing over and over and over, it gets into your head. You may even start to wonder if there's some truth to it. This, this is concerning new report up, this comes from President Obama's uh, CIA the, the of CNN saying, talking about somebody else lying cracks me up. And that's why it drives me crazy. Like, do you think, Adam, real quick question. Do you think Don Lamont, he really feels that type of way? Or he's just saying it because they're telling him, like, you have to report this? Honestly, well, when he was well, there. Because he's not uh, his, with the, You know, for the viewing audience, it, it's Don Lemon. But, you know, he's... I guess French now. Yeah, no, it is, um, it's Lamont. It's Lamont now. Okay, yeah. so um, it's a lot of journalists have unfortunately turned into activists, and you know you have to respect who whoever you would consider to be actual journalists. You talked about Matt Taibbi. That guy gets a lot of praise out there. You talk about Barry Weiss. There's some legit journalists out there, especially some of the guys on Wall Street Journal. Unfortunately, a lot of talking head journalists are now just activists. And that goes for both sides. Of course. Down the on the left, certain people, Hannity on the right, whatever you want to say. These aren't journalists. These are 
talking head activists. So they're going to active, actively, basically campaign Listen, for who they want. Here's what's going to happen. Within time, we're going to find out exactly what happened. If this story is coming out now and this creates momentum, guess who this hurts the most? If this creates a lot of momentum. Michelle. Michelle Obama. Damn right. Bingo. If this thing creates momentum, Michelle Obama, and that means that Trump will be lamb, he will be constantly over and over and over again doing to Michelle what he's done to everybody, repeatedly talking about the fact that what her husband did and she knew and she was a part of it as well, et cetera, et cetera. It's not going to be pretty. But eventually we're going to find that. Unfortunately, the damage is already done. They, they already were able to get him out after four years. Question is, when he gets back in, what he's going to be doing. Uh, next story I want to go to is the story of Kanye West. Can you pull up that video, Rob, with Kanye West? So Kanye West, you know, you typically do an ad. You spend a million dollars, two million dollars, creating the ad to be so sick production-wise mm-hmm. to put it on Super Bowl but Kanye decides to do this ad on his phone in his car while he's driving, and he spends $7 million for this Super Bowl ad. I'm going to play this clip for you to get your reaction. You're going to think this is a spoof, but let me first read the article to you from the Economic Times. <laughs> How did Kanye West Super Bowl ad shoot, shot? On zero budget, sparked $19 million in Yeezy sales. Kanye West made a headline yet again with this unorthodox Super Bowl commercial promoting his Yeezy fashion line, opting for a stripped-down approach. West's 32nd spot reportedly costing him $7 million. Stood out amidst the glitz and glamour typically associated with Super Bowl commercials. Filmed entirely on a cell phone camera with the backseat of a car. West delivered a straightforward message urging viewers to visit his commercial website, Yeezy.com. Hey, y'all. I'll play the clip for you here. Yeah. This gamble paid off handsomely for the rapper turned entrepreneur. Following the ads airing, Wes Abdel album surged to the top of the Billboard ranking in, a, in number one in 100 countries. At the top of the a testament to the commercials impact. Moreover, a social media post from Wes revealed a staggering 294,000 orders was placed on Yeezy, wow. resulting in a remarkable $19.3 million sale. Rob, play the clip. Tell me how impressed you are with this clip, everybody. Ready? Here we go. Y'all, this Yay, and it's my commercial. And since we spent all the money on the commercial spot, we actually didn't spend any money on the actual commercial. But the idea is I want you to go to Yeezy.com Y-E-E-Z-Y dot com. And I'm going to write it at the bottom of the screen. And I got some shoes. And mm, that's it. <laughs> and they played that at the Super Bowl? Did they play that on the Super Bowl? Think about the level of boldness to be driving probably to get. He may be going to McDonald's to yeah. get a Big Mac. He's like, looks at that the driver. That didn't look like God, a Bentley. That looks like a cab. That looks like a truck and, and he's they, driving. Did they play the that on the it. Super Bowl? Huh? They played this at the Super Bowl? They played this at the Super Bowl. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, this is that, a Super Bowl commercial. That's crazy that they let, I mean, they, they, they're saying that exactly. he's anti-Semitic. Yeah. And they let him play that? Yeah. Well, money he is anti-Semitic because well, he said that before. Well, money talks. Well, of course. He paid $7 million. Kanye is a walking, talking, rapping car accident. And you just can't look away. He threw some golds in. Now he's got a lisp, apparently. It's probably too much of the golds in his mouth. What? And he spent $7 million on a 
Super Bowl commercial, and he spent about uh, three uh, data minutes on putting together a video. And click the link in the bio, y'all. Hey, but guess what, though? And Mike just sent this to me. He just passed Taylor Swift on the Spotify charts. He just passed her. And not to mention, he promised to sell everything on that site mm-hmm. for $20. Vinny, are you a Kanye fan? I love his music. I used to love his music. No, name, I, name I, one song he's done in the last five I, years. I, I, I'm, I'm going to be 100. One song in the I'm last on, five years. On, I'm going to be 100 with you. I love I, all my phones saved on my phone are all his old school stuff. Of course. I mean, the moment he got with your, your friends, the Kardashians, everything went. The moment, actually, the moment, I remembered I was in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. The moment he wore the red hat and said, I support Trump, they grabbed his ass off stage after one of the shows and they're like he's mentally crazy he's losing his mind so supporting trump the moment not everybody loved kanye till the moment he wore that red hat and guess what he's crazy he's anti-semitic he's on drugs he's bipolar well, it's, Vinny, the, it's the, the power he was asked of, all, again, all of that he was is actually asked, true he, he is was, bipolar he, he, he was, is anti-semitic rob can you pull but it, it up? is a little bit freaking that's actually guys, true guys guys he's he was successful. asked again he was asked again about trump I think yesterday or three days ago, and you, you can pull it up on Twitter. But go ahead, Tom. What do you think about the seven million turn into ninety million dollars in profits? Look, he's successful, and he knows he has a brand, and he knows he has a following, and he put a Super Bowl ad up, and he sold stuff. You know, you may not, you may disagree with him on so many levels. You may even be shocked or puzzled by his 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 life and how he you know lives it out and deploys himself. But what you can't argue with is a guy with a brand and a following just did a commercial and sold a lot of stuff. By the way, 7 million, 19 million in profits, 24 hours. <laughs> I, I, That's crazy. I like the idea of what he did. Anyways, uh, um, so next story we're going to go to is Jeff Bezos moves to Florida, saving him hundreds of millions of dollars in taxes. For those of you that were uh, concerned about Jeff, he saved some money. He's going to be okay. <laughs> I know some people were deeply worried about his Very financial worried. situation. Yeah, Amazon founder Jeff Bezos relocating from Seattle, Washington to Miami, Florida, is yielding significant tax savings, particularly in capital gains taxes. His move spares him from Washington 7% on capital gains over 250, Tom, potentially saving him upwards of $610 million on his planned $2 billion Amazon stock sale in 2024. Bezos' decision is moved to Florida, came ahead of the implementation of Washington's new capital gains tax. Despite selling billions in Amazon shares, Annually, since 98, he relocated before the tax went into effect, leveraging the Florida's tax-friendly environment to maximize his financial gains. Bezos cited familial ties and operational consideration for the relocation, stating that he moved closer to his parents in Miami and the Blue Origin, his space exploration company is increasingly based in Cape Canaveral, Florida. Washington now has a 7% capital gains tax, Tom. That's correct. Uh, For so long, uh, there is a a list of states and Washington, Florida, Texas, Tennessee were the ones that would attract people because there was there was, you know, cities there, quality of life and things like that. Uh, Nevada was there. um, uh, I think North Dakota, South Dakota, I think one of them. But anyway, most people in New Hampshire, New Hampshire. So of all the places you could go and avoid you know, paying, you know, income tax, all of a sudden Washington puts up tax on capital gains. This is called cause and effect. Very simply cause and effect. And it's not just Bezos. There's going to be a lot of people that simply, you know, relocate. There were people that were um, in uh, venture capital and in uh, early stage startups and tech that up 
prior to 1995, because they started this enforcement, they used to live in this little place called Incline Village, which was right over the border in Nevada, just the other side of Sacramento, and people would commute back and forth um, to California. And then California did this thing, if you're more than 186 days of the year in California, like half the year, then um, uh, you you had to pay taxes in California. This is a cause effect. You know, wealthy people or people selling a business that are about to become wealthy are, are voting where they want to live on where they're going to be taxed. Why is this so shocking? And by the way, it kind of is annoying to me why he has to say, well, you know, uh, Blue Origin is up in Cape Canaveral. My parents in Miami. He doesn't need a reason. We have freedom in this country. I like the weather in Florida. My wife and I have a very large yacht. We'd like to park it in Miami. Can you pull up the yacht, Even Rob? That, he doesn't 470 need, foot yacht. It's he doesn't sick. need an excuse. He doesn't need a reason. Why are you moving to Florida? That's correct. I'm moving to Florida. That's all I'd say. Literally, that's all I would say. Mr. Ellsworth, you're, you sold this company. You're moving to Florida. Yeah, that's right. I'm moving to Florida. Why are you moving to Florida? I'm moving to Florida. That's the yacht right there. Yeah, 417 foot yacht that he's got. Yeah, it's pretty. It was fine. There's it was one of it pulling it. into uh, Dania Beach, and I'm not the little tugboat's pulling it. Yeah. If you see this thing, it's satellites. It's insane well, how you, big this you thing know, is. You know what you pay on? for it? How much? Four eighty five. Four hundred eighty five million dollars. Four hundred eighty five dollars was a good deal. That's a During great COVID, yeah. deal. Forty five. Um, well, you know what's going on this week in Miami is the Miami Boat Show. We, there was just a Fort really? Lauderdale boat show. So all the big bad boats are coming into Miami this weekend. So uh, regarding Bezos, we all know who the richest person in the world is, right? What, me? Because Vlad, I, I, Vladimir, go Vladimir ahead. Putin Who's is the trillionaire. richest guy in the world? It is, no lo- it is no longer Elon Musk. It is now officially Bernard Alno. Yeah, officially. Not, I mean, officially, but not. Pull not, up the real-time billionaires list. Well, yeah, we Putin uh, owns Russia. I think well, he's the I mean, we don't know. Just scroll down a little bit. Bernard, just, just scroll down, Rob. Yeah, where's it's Louis Vuitton, yeah. Hennessy, yeah. the Bernard whole, the whole uh, stack. Elon Musk is no longer the richest person in the world. Jeff Bezos is a uh, close third is that to an, Elon Musk, 191 is billion. Is that an alien on the fourth? Oh, that's Mark Zuckerberg. That's Mark Zuckerberg. Looks like an alien. Elon Musk is uh, at 200 billion. Bernard Alno is 220 billion. Uh, ask yourself this question: Would you rather live in Miami or Seattle at this point? <laughs> Especially if Seattle. Uh, has the this rain 7% in Seattle tech. is unbelievable. Nothing's better than cold rain that's not snowy and it's not warm enough to go out and enjoy the day. It's freezing out there. But little little known, Jeff Bezos grew up in Miami. Shout out to another Miami boy. He went to Palmetto High School. So he wants to be with his family. He wants to be able to park his boat. He wants to enjoy the sunshine. He wants to enjoy the weather. And he wants to save, I don't know, hundreds of millions on taxes. What's his number right here? 7% on capital gains over $250,000. Yeah, I think uh, he's a little bit over $250,000 when your net worth is close to $200 billion. So good for Jeff Bezos. Welcome to Miami, buddy. Hit me up. Yeah, he's for sure hitting you up tonight. So. <laughs> I'll see him on his boat. Yeah, yeah for sure. Lawrence Abs- Sanchez. Absolutely. So, Tom, let's go to the story here. Paramount lays off 800 staffers as CEO, unveils broad uh, uh, streaming cost effort. This is a Hollywood reporter story. Uh, uh, here we go. CEO Bob Kent Backish uh, recently has uh, asked the staff to prioritize managing costs as earning growth amid uh, expectations of looming layoffs and deal chatter surrounding the entertainment giant. On Tuesday, the CEO made things official, unveiling plans for job reductions in the U.S. and estimated 800, 800 according to sources. 
and cuts abroad over time. The company had about 24,500 employees as of its last 10K disclosure, which reflects staff account in December 2022. Backish memo coincides with what's been expected. Significant move to cut costs nearly this year as Wall Street evaluates Paramount's prospect as standalone company. The announcement was made just after its channel, CBS, Nickelodeon, Paramount hosted Super Bowl which broke a rating record of 123 million people. CEO added, there will be also impact in some of our offices based outside of the U.S. Tom, thoughts on this? Well, first of all, for Paramount specifically, um, they're a standalone company. Paramount Plus is struggling on streaming growth. I mean, really struggling. Uh, They haven't been able to get above a certain level. Disney is stuck. So streaming's here. And also, the Super Bowl ad rates that were big headlines aside, overall ad rates are down and the ad market is act, is struggling right now. So streaming ads, there's a lot of headwinds against the business, but that's they're not the only layoffs. There's a ton of layoffs. And uh, we did this last year, and now I'm ready with the, with the layoff rundown. You ready? Go for it. Okay, I'm going to go 2x. Ready? So uh, last week, Cisco announced uh, 5% job cuts, a couple thousand cuts down there. DocuSign. Tom, slow down. It's okay. Tell us. Yeah, Tom, no, DocuSign, for the sake of the trees that you killed, take Docu- your time. DocuSign, this is just February. DocuSign, 6% down. Estee Lauder, 3,100 people, 5%. Instacart, 250 uh, jobs, 7%. Morgan Stanley, 1% of total worldwide. Okta, 7%. Paramount Global, the 800s we talked about here. Snapchat, 10%. After laying off last year, they're just struggling. They're waiting for TikTok to get, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, outlawed so they can pop up. Warner Music, uh, 10% of their jobs being cut. Zoom, 2% being cut after cutting 15% last year. Alphabet, 3,100 job cuts. Uh, press release issued at midnight, literally, and 5% of uh, their workforce. Amazon announced film, TV, and Twitch will have Twitch is the uh, uh, gamer, 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 gamer communication yeah. platform. Uh, hundreds of jobs will be cut because certain parts of those are simply not performing. BlackRock, 600 people, 3%. Citigroup, 20,000 jobs will be eliminated between now and the end of 26 in a progressive contraction restructuring. Woof. Discord uh, platform uh, that kids use uh, in messaging for games also, 17% being cut. Duolingo, my favorite one. We're cutting 10% of the workforce, but most of that will be replaced by, wait for it, AI. AI. There it comes. Yep, eBay, a thousand or nine percent of the workforce. iRobot, you know they make the little, um, they make vac- vacuum cleaners run vacuum. around your house. My Roomba, my Roomba. Well, they're not merging with Amazon, so they're cutting thirty-one percent of the workforce. Macy's cutting twenty-four hundred jobs, four percent. Microsoft cutting eight percent, uh, nineteen hundred. Saying that after acquisition of, acquis- of uh, Activision Blizzard, they have a lot of redundancy. PayPal cutting nine percent of the workforce. Salesforce two percent of the workforce, seven hundred people. Sports Illustrator already knew about that. 65% of the whole publication. If you want to buy a sports mag, it's for sale. United Parcel Service, we covered that. The number that's come out now will be 12,000 jobs globally. Universal Music Group, 300 jobs being cut. Wayfair, after a a bad December uh, and uh, uh, selling season for the holidays, 1,600 people, 13% of the workforce. And Xerox, 15% of the global workforce, or 3,000 all since January 4th. And Everything why? we just listened to January 4th. And people say, why is the stock market up? Because the stock market loves layoffs so, because they think So it's in other problems. words, Bidenomics is working. Oh, yeah. Working great for all these poor people. Yeah. So, but, but, but how does that translate to the average person? 
to the how does that person? translate to the stock market? How does that translate to what's being felt out there? Well, right now in in technology, communications, and entertainment, it's harder than ever to find a job. If you're job switching right now, the number of jobs are that these companies are hiring less, and all of these other people are now out there competing with you for the jobs because they just got laid off. That's what's happening to the regular person. And what was really interesting to me, they announced, uh, remember a week ago, 353,000 jobs in January. Woohoo! Two days later, they announced that the unemployment rate was steady at 3.7%. So the BizDoc is curious, saying, how the hell is unemployment steady at 37 if you add a third of a million jobs? Shouldn't unemployment go down? So I went and found a chart at the St. Louis Fed and found out that second jobs have been spiking since October. 6% of the workforce now has a second job, and they believe that the majority of those 353,000 jobs were barely part-time or menial service-level jobs was in the 353,000, and it was people getting side hustles because of the long-term effects of Bidenomics and inflation. By the way, I'm not putting a plug here. I can't tell you how many people are using the app Manect and the stories that we're getting, literally the stories that we're getting, career stories that we're getting. For some of you guys that maybe are listening to this and you're like, Pat, I'm feeling it as well. Manect is one place to ask experts for any kind of questions you may have. I got I, Recently, I've been getting very, very unique questions being asked. One of them was political. A guy's now running for office in this country. And he's got aspirations of fighting for at the highest level in New Zealand. Very impressive. Some questions are career questions. Some questions are business questions. Some questions are relationship questions. But Manect, maybe this is also a sign why a software and technology like this is growing because people want advice on what do I do with my career at a time like this. And there's also a plug for experts. If you have an area of expertise that you know a lot of, Manek may be a good app for people to want to pay for your expertise, where you can answer back from anywhere in the world, answer in text, in video, or you can answer back in a 15-minute call. You can go to any one of these guys. If you want to talk to Tom, Vinny, Adam, or myself, or plenty of the other 5,000 experts that are on Manek, that's one of the ways to get an answer to your question. But you know what I'll tell you? When I hear that question, when I see, hear all these layoffs, there's a, a, a lady that's running for senator to replace Diane Feinstein's job, Barbara Lee, <laughs> that if you move to California, she wants to give you a job for 50 bucks an hour. Yeah. And, and also on top of that, there's another great story that's taking place with that, that, that a lot of Gen Z, Gen Z are, are working for the government. the government. Join the yeah, military. Work, working Do something for the government. different. There's ways to solve for that. Anyways. Yeah. All right. So Paramount, not a good thing. A lot of people getting laid off. Uh, Tom just gave you a bunch of different people getting laid off uh, uh, just since January. Next story to go to is restaurant prices are making dining out <laughs> even more of a luxury. Restaurant prices are making dining out even more of a luxury. So uh, uh, here we go. This is CNN. Restaurant food prices have surged 5.1% year over year, contrasting sharply with a 1.2% increase in grocery prices, whilst a 4% more than that, indicating a significant affordability gap between dining out and eating at home. While overall inflation has slowed, food prices rose to their highest monthly rate in a year, impacting consumer sentiment about the economy, particularly in an election year where uh, Joe Biden campaign may face challenges. Again, this is CNN. Factors behind the shift include a 0.7% monthly increase in prices for services, encompassing dining, gown, transportation, and entertainment, contributing to 148% of the overall 0.3% monthly price increase, driven by robust wages, wage growth in sectors such as healthcare, 
government and leisure and hospitality. A, a restaurant broker in Miami said he was getting five years ago, he would get five calls a day for people that are selling their restaurants to now it's 15 calls a day. He says, Art Basel, people who came to Miami, Art Basel, they were expecting for that Art Basel to drive restaurant sales to the roof, and it didn't happen because restaurants are not packed right now like they once were. Now, obviously, for days like last night, Valentine's Day, or this weekend, you're going to have a hard time going to the main restaurants. The Carbones of the world are going to be fine. The Nobus of the world are going to be fine. But there are a lot of other restaurants that are getting destroyed right now. Again, for those who think let's raise the minimum wage, the first business that feels minimum wage increase the most, guess what it is? Restaurants. First place that feels it is restaurants because their margins are so small. Adam, thoughts on the story? So uh, I can see it. I mean, we've seen what's going on in the economy these days. We see what's going on in inflation. The first thing that a lot of people are going to cut out of their um, of their budget are their subscriptions. That's easy to do. You go to your phone, and then you just say, all right, cool, I'm paying this much for this app, this is what's going on here. The hardest thing to do is really uh, factor in what you're spending on food. I always say that uh, everyone has the same big three expenses as part of their budget. The number one expense that you have is your housing, whether that's your mortgage or whether it's your rent. That's your biggest expense. That should be no more than 30% of your overall budget. That's easy to track. You know how much you're making from a gross income standpoint. How much is your rent? How much is your mortgage? 30%, that's the number. The second biggest expense that you should try to manage is your transportation expenses. Car prices are more expensive than ever. Car payments are more expensive than ever. Interest rates are higher than they've been in decades. Um, But that's easy to understand what you're spending on a car payment, your insurance, it's trackable. You should be spending no more than 15% of your overall budget on your car. What's my point? The third biggest expense is what I call your F&B, your food and beverage expense. Very hard to track. Very hard to track. How much are you spending when you're dining out? How much are you spending on grocery shopping? How much are you spending at the bars? How much are you spending on restaurants? You know, how much are you spending at the nightclub? Not that Vinny goes there these days, but that's the hardest thing to do. But everyone sits down there and looks at a menu, especially if you're on a date and you're looking and you're like, oh my God. okay, all right, so the steak is $58. Yeah, it's getting crazy. This girl better not order the steak. <laughs> oh my God. All right, all right. The, you know, the salad looks pretty good. Uh, restaurants are one of those things that you're going to take out of your budget when you're uh, paycheck to paycheck or you're struggling or you're feeling inflation. And uh, I can totally understand and totally empathize with people cutting this out of their budget. And I feel bad for restaurants. What percentage of restaurants actually make it these days? It's not shocking amount, shocking amount. And then one time I interviewed a restaurant owner. um, I think 10% is, um, their um, survival rate? No, not not their survival rate. Like if you make a million dollars a year as a restaurant, the National um, Restaurant. Oh, yeah. there it is. The National Restaurant Association estimates a twenty percent success rate for all restaurants. About sixty percent of restaurants wow. fail in the first year of operation. Eighty percent fail within five years yeah. of opening. It's such a hard is, business. Is anything- it's such a hard business. And the and and the people that that start restaurants, they're they love cooking. They love hospitality. They love seeing people enjoy their family and their friends. It's just such a hard business to do. And that's in good times. These times now validate, basically, there's going to be a lot of restaurant closures. Is all this, guys, uh, Tom, is all this Bidenomics, inflation, is it ever going to come back down? Or is it going to stay here 
for good. Like we have to just start getting used to this because it doesn't seem like there's anything. Well, positive. You mean inflation? No, just any all this the prices of restaurants and that it's just everything's is expensive. Well, everything is going. Inflation has gone down tremendously. No, but what I'm saying is like well, stories like this. Well, like oh, listen, inflation or whatever. When I go to the supermarket, bro, I'm spending double. Than what I did two years ago. It's not Do- double. It's, you're asking it's technically ten percent. You're asking it's a lot. Not, great, not 100%. It's hundred percent. It's almost ask, double. You're asking a great <laughs> question, and the question you're asking it goes to the mind of of voters and what what they want to spin on you during election year. When they say inflation is going down, that just means that the rate of impact is going down. Some of the impact stays. Right now, fuel has gone back down significantly. That really helped a lot of people in the Northeast where fuel oil is, is what you use to heat your homes. That helps. Gasoline being down, that helps. But there's other things that have not retreated. Certain, certain food-based commodities have not retreated. When we had all of those wages, remember when people were bidding up the wages by going across the street for another job? Remember we used to talk about that here on the podcast? Yeah. Hey, people are, are insisting, I want a 20% raise or the uh, America couldn't find workers. They, some of them got that. That is a permanent impact on the cost of the company, <laughs> which means a permanent impact yeah. on the price yeah. of the food. And so a lot of things, Vinny, don't come down. Yeah. You, you, you asked a very good question. Rob found a great clip. Rob, can you play this clip, please? I love this guy. Can't use the prices caused by Bidenomics are here to stay, aren't they? Yeah. Well, the high High prices were not caused by Bidenomics. Um, We suffered a pandemic that resulted in severe dislocations. Yes, ma'am, but if I could ask you, they're here to stay, aren't they? I don't expect the level of prices to go down. Sure. That's, so that answers my point exactly. I, that clip got cut off. Did, did she say in the next year or two? I would like to know where that clip ends. Well, she but, looks. Does, like, that's where it ends. She doesn't say that. She it's doesn't say anything else. It's just over. I could have swore I saw her in Lord of the listen, Rings. Listen, from from a, <laughs> from a standpoint of yourself, if if a person's watching this, you, your job is to increase your market value. Okay, that's simple. Your job with all the stuff that's going on is to increase your market value. A documentary came out 15 years ago, 16 years ago, maybe 18 years ago. It's called IOUSA. Type an IOUSA documentary. It's, it's actually the letter I-O-U-S-A. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, no, no, just go the letter I-O. No, Rob, it's just the like letter I O. No, no, put all of it together, Rob, the, the, like in one word, I-O-U-S-A. There you go, yeah. So if you type that up and just bring it up if you can, uh, that, that's the documentary, okay? That documentary came up. I don't know when it came out. What's the date? Is it 08, 07, whenever the time is? 2008. Uh, 2008. So this thing came out in 08. And in that documentary, there's a lady that's asking Warren Buffett a question. She says, I'm a single mother. I don't know what to do. What's going to happen with all this debt that the U.S. has? We're never going to pay back. We're going to, America may go bankrupt and blah, 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 blah. She is sincerely scared. And Warren Buffett calmly responds and says, the market will, uh, ma'am, the market will always pay for expertise, mm-hmm. always. So what does that mean? Find a way to become an expert in the marketplace. Okay, Get yourself to be so good in a marketplace that you're going to get noticed and people are going to say, we have to do something with this guy. We just had a meeting this last, uh, uh, what do you call it? This uh, when, when was our company uh, kickoff meeting? Was it last Friday or I, Thursday? Last Friday, wasn't it? Yeah, we can go. Yeah. Friday was a kickoff meeting and... I went through our 12 values and principles for Valuetainment, Lion Holding, all the companies that were running within Valuetainment. 
And the conversation was very simple. Some, some of the speakers were coming on stage and they're like, it's so great that we're attracting all these tents here. Yeah, I believe in everybody. Yeah, I believe in everybody. It was kind of like uh, um, the message was getting a little bit too much like that by one or two of our guys, which is great. They're optimistic. They're excited about the future because we have our clear goals, everything that we're working on. And I came up and I said, let me kind of get something going here for everybody to understand. Number one, I don't know if I believe everybody is going to do their part. I don't know if I believe everyone's going to pick up their game and improve it in 2024. And and for, to say we're attracting tens, we don't have a single 10 in this room right now. I said, I see myself as an eight and a half. I don't even see myself as a nine. I see myself as an eight and a half thinking about getting better. There's things that I'm still not doing that I can get better to improve myself in the marketplace. What's the moral of the story? What are you doing with your work? How are you improving yourself? You're driving in the car. What are you learning? All that drive time you have, if you calculate how many hours you drive, what's the last audiobook you finished? What's the last 10 audiobooks you finished? Whose story are you studying? Whose biography are you studying? Who's, what courses are you taking? What skill set are you adding? Are you really learning how to use ChatGBT? Are you really, really learning how to use advanced AI? Are you really learning how to negotiate, how to sell, how to communicate, how to better deal with conflict? What are you doing to increase your market value? Because these prices are here to stay, yes, they're not going away, and prices are just going to get higher and higher and higher. It's not going to get any lower. The question becomes, will your market value outpace inflation? If your market value doesn't outpace inflation, hell is around the corner for you and your family. Damn. If your market value outpaces inflation, you have nothing to worry about. The future looks very bright for you and your family. That part right there, you control. And it's not on anybody else. If we choose to increase our market value in that area, saying even, even for anybody, even for somebody like Tom, even for somebody like myself, it doesn't matter what level of a title you got. What are you doing to improve your market value? If you are, you sleep on a soft pillow at night. You say to yourself, yeah, the market definitely needs somebody like me. I'm going to be okay. Nothing's going to be. But if you're coming from a place of you're the same as you were today, as you were six months ago, as 12 months ago, as two years ago, as three years ago, yeah, capitalism's not going to favor you. I highly recommend you go look for a government job. Tom, you look like you're dying to say something. No, no, not dying to say something. I want to compliment you on something. Uh, Back in 2010, 2011, as I was uh, really starting to become aware of just the power and the breadth of PHP's mission and where it was going, at one of the big events, uh, Pat had David Walker, who is one of the... You were at that event? Yeah. Wow. For you, it used and um, it's 2010, I, 11, I think it's maybe 2012, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he had David Walker, who is in the movie IOUSA. He's the former in, Comptroller General of like the correct. U.S. Accountant. Yeah, the CFO of the USA, yeah. if you want to look at it that way. Um, and David Walker was on there talking about the sensibility. But more importantly, Pat brought him on stage because he wanted everybody in that room that were forming their entrepreneurial foundation on the, the structures that were being offered by PHP to be an insurance agent, build an agency, and, and be an entrepreneur under that structure. He brought him on there to evangelize these messages. And so, and I really appreciated that at the time because I sat there and I said, how many people, and he, remember, David put things in very clear, simple terms, similar to what, what you see in the movie where he's going from town to town talking to people. And I was very impressed. I said, Pat's bringing these people in. 
not just, you know, celebrities to, to talk about, you know, leadership and stuff, which is helpful, very helpful. High-end athletes talking about mindset. That's very helpful. He's bringing in David Walker to put in common sense ter- terms the dangers of debt and the structures that are in the, the country in which you live to elevate people's mindset as voters and as they manage themselves. And I was really impressed by that. Yeah, I love that. I, you know, I, I think, but I think more than anything else today, there needs to be a reality check conversation. Some people may need a second job right now in the interim while they're figuring things out. God knows I've had uh, early on in my career, I had multiple jobs uh, trying to find ways to make money to make it work. By the way, just so you know, things are so bad right now. I have nine jobs right now. Okay. And I'm trying to really make it work, Tom. I well, you, according to the Fed, I got nine jobs. According right to the now. Fed, more people have second jobs now than any time going back. I have an OnlyFans. Yeah, well, what what was that Tom percentage? You said it was six percent. They they say six percent of the total full time workforce have second jobs, and it's the highest percent going back to 2008. It was almost this high right before pandemic, and we're back. Six percent doesn't seem terribly high. What were the numbers previously? It, it was about six percent before pandemic. Now, remember, they're talking about of the full-time adult mm-hmm. workforce. So, you know, you're, you're not saying 6% of 300 million people. You're talking 6% of the people that are the full of 150 million, million or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. The yeah. I'm exactly. actually shocked it's that low. I would expect it to be more, actually. 6% six, seems pretty low. Only 6% have a part time jo- second job? Is 6% of the full time workforce have I think that's a, that's a Nuts. low number. I agree with you. This I think is that's the a St. Louis number. Fed. By the way, it I, could be it's another W 2. Maybe people have a secondary income that doesn't include in that. They do real estate. They do insurance. Yep. Maybe the 1099 yeah. contractor is not do, me, do us well, all a favor. Go kill a couple more trees. Get some more research yeah. on this. I'd like for uh, I want some, to, I want but a, I'll, I'll say this. To get some accurate. What we're spoke. saying is that the problem we think from our knowledge and our scope, that the problem is probably bigger than the government is reporting. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, I, you, I, wait, wait. You think the, the government would lie to us? Are you crazy, Tom? Seriously, though. The level of integrity they have. Yeah, are you nuts? I trust stats. Janet Yellen. All right, let's go through a couple other things here and then we'll wrap up. I want to talk John Stewart. I want to talk uh, border Mallorcas and then we'll wrap up. So House Republicans vote to impeach uh, Alejandro Mallorcas on second attempt. And there's a there's a bunch of other stories tied to the border here. Let me read a couple of them here together. Maybe show a clip and then we'll go from there. Number one, he is officially impeached. Uh, Numbers-wise, Rob, can you go to my Twitter account? Can you go to my Twitter account on the number of people have been illegally coming to the states? The numbers are staggering. House Republicans successfully impeached uh, Mayorkas on their second attempt, accusing him of failing to uphold immigration laws and lying to Congress about U.S.-Mexico border. The historic vote, 214 to 213, marks the first cabinet official impeachment in nearly 150 years. Despite facing impeachment, Mayorkas continues to say that he is focused on his duties and dismisses the allegations as baseless. Biden criticized the impeachment as blatant unconstitutional, unconstitutional partisanship. Right. The impeachment effort highlights deep partisan divides with Republicans pushing forward. Anyways, Mayorkas ends up becoming a person, by the way, that also rejected Secret Service protection for RFK. Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas personally rejected an urgent appeal from independent presidential candidate RFK. In a letter dated July 21st, 2023, two weeks after the urgent appeal, Mayorkas dismissed the request without any explanation. Now, keep in mind, this is a Kennedy that we're talking about. Simultaneously, these are the illegal immigration in the states. If you show up the numbers here, Rob, look at the numbers. 210, 2010 was 463,000 illegal immigrants. Next year, 340. Next year, 340. 360, then 420, then 486, then 337, then 415, then 310. 
That's all under then Obama and Trump right there. Then 859, then 405, and then all of a sudden. Biden. Biden. Wow. 1.9 million next year. 2.7 million next year. 3.2 million. And on track this year to shatter that record. It's so bad. Look who commented. Go a little bit lower to see. Elon Musk said wow. insane. Oh, that's Even cool. Elon is noticing the fact that, I mean, the market is looking at this data. By the way, to continue on, Tom, go ahead. If, back up a second. Yeah. And before Adam said, hey, that's Trump. I want to make something clear. Trump owns 17, 18, 19 and 20 because he's not inaugurated till January. He fought. People say he didn't get the wall built and all these things. He fought and they fought against him, which was what was going on in 19. And he pushed it back down. Yep. And then that's a great, and great then, observation. And he was being fought by our Congress where it jumped up. That's what they wanted. And he actually pulled it back and then he got unelected. Well, thanks to I, COVID. I will give you credit on that. But also in 2020, there was that little thing that happened when people stopped moving around so much. You know, that whole COVID thing. I just said so that, that a lot of times has to do with well, when letting, went down. They were letting people in, though, during that, but, but they didn't have to wear a mask. By the that way, the whole check situation. this out. While Indeed. this is going on, to add more, and then I want to open it up to you guys, yeah. San Diego border agent arrests 269 uh, Chinese Weird. migrants in a single day. Uh, 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 underscoring the surge in Chinese nationals crossing U.S.-Mexico border, despite contrast, sparkle uh, uh, starkly with the 2023 fiscal year's record of 37,000 Chinese migrants intercepted by CBP, with 2024 fiscal year already exceeding 20,000. Holy shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That is insane. And then simultaneously, this is San Diego, California. Some of you may say, well, what does New York have to do anything with the border? Look at New York. FBI warns MS-13 and brutal Venezuelan migrant gang could join forces in New York City. The FBI's warning of this alliance between the two, Tren de Aragua and the notorious MS-13, expressing concerns about their collaboration as uh, its criminal activities, particularly cell phone theft in New York City. Agent John Morales emphasizes the FBI's monitoring the gang growth, highlighting the possibility of temporary alliances between the two gangs. So, again, it's not just happening to the southern border. Other states are also feeling this. Adam. So, you know, what's interesting. Uh, you know, we watched the Super Bowl um, at Valuetainment Studio, and it was awesome. It was an amazing thing, and a lot of PHP folks were there. And I sat there. Remember, we were sitting in the cigar lounge. I don't know if you saw who I was sitting next to. Uh, one of your top um, PHP guys, I don't want to say his name because he didn't want to really disclose this, but it starts with an R. You know who I'm talking about. He makes a lot of money, and he's, you know, you know who it is. And I said, hey, look, you're, you're an immigrant. Uh, you came from a country in Latin America. I don't know if I should say the country, but it's the same country as MS-13. It's from uh, El Salvador. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, and I said, look, bro, you, you came here legally, right? Of course, of course. Give me your perspective on what's happening in the border. You're a proud Latin American. You've made a lot of money. You used to be a security guard making you know minimum wage. Now you're making millions of dollars. You are the American dream. He's gone from being very ordinary to incredibly extraordinary. I said, make sense of what's going on at the border here. He goes, he goes, it's all criminals. It's all criminals. I said, how could you say that? He goes, because they are. I said, what do you mean by that? I said, some of these people, and I'm giving him pushback, but also trying to understand. He goes, I said, you have to admit that some of these people are here to have better lives. He goes, yeah, you know, a percentage of them. I said, give me the percentage that you think 
as a proud Latin American person from El Salvador who's moved here, who's come here legally, give me your perspective. He goes, 20% are coming to have a better life. 20% are coming to escape what they're escaping. 80% of them, straight up criminals. I said, how could you say that shocking number? He goes, I stand by that. And he goes, I can't say these types of things out loud myself, but this is what I stand for. And Mara Saratucha, how do you say Mara it? Yeah, MS-13, they are brutal. They are disgusting. I don't even want to show some images of these guys, oh. just MS-13. Oh. They are as violent and as ridiculous and as... Dude. He basically just said they are pure evil. It's so they're, they're not trafficking. They're not selling drugs is what he says. They, are just, they just want crime. And you got to give a shout out to Naib Bukele. The new president or the ongoing president, I think he just got reelected, did he not? Or yep. uh, in El Salvador for putting these people in jail. These people are just straight up criminals. And this is who's coming in our country at the border. Take it Wait, away, Vinny. It, it kind of, I don't know. It sounds like that guy, his weird blonde hair when he said, and I quote, they're not sending their best. I, I, yeah. Somebody warned us. All the stuff that's happening, I don't even, I forgot what his name is. He had weird blondish hair. But anyway, and in regards, Pat, to your golden hair, beautiful golden hair, uh, in regards to the, the Chinese uh, situation, which people don't, I saw a video, bro, it's thousands and it's not like they're with the kids. It's suspicious looking dudes, well-dressed, briefcases, bags, really nice bags. And a report just came out past Sunday, uh, same Sunday, Super Bowl, where everybody was chilling. The FBI and the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, it's called CISA, uh, just published a guide to living off the land techniques. They're warning you guys. Ready for this? It was a response to two publications of reaction to recent warnings about attacks on critical U.S. infrastructure. Adam, you talked about this, about the grid, right? By groups allegedly connected to the Chinese PRC government. government. How... How would these people come here and they're coming through the border? We, by the way, our government, Mayorkas, is 100% at fault with the Biden administration. They're setting up these pieces to the pie just in case Trump does beat all this. And he beats the, the, the late, late, you know, fourth quarter Newsom and Obama. If they're going to stop at nothing to stop this dude, and I'm telling you guys, if that's a clear indication where, guess what? He's coming back and he's going to hold everybody accountable. Some something, mark my words, something bad is going to happen in this country. And I'm telling you guys right now, be ready for it. And the second thing about by, by the way, Mayorkas is a snake, but he's going to be protected for the rest of his life like Fauci by the Secret Service, your tax dollars. Um, the fact that that Mayorkas, that same rat, is rejecting RFK Secret Service protection. What does that say? You know what that says? As the Department of Homeland Security, you can go ahead and die. The guy's father, the guy's uncle was assassinated, and we just found out a couple years ago the CIA was, you know, they had a hand in it. You're denying this guy's security? What does that say? That says, listen, good luck. If you get killed, so be it. It's a spit in the face, and Mayorkas deserves to be in prison, bro, because guess what? One American, if one American, and it has happened, has died because of an illegal coming into this country because it's out there, you belong in prison for the rest of your life, but he'll never be held accountable. And, and by the way, let's put the invasion into numerical terms. Two years ago, the number of illegals that had been here within the last 36 months was one in 70. Yeah. One in 70 of us. Right now, it's one in 50. By the end of next year, at this rate, it'll be one in 35. That is, the, that is, that is what we're looking at here. And if 80% mm -hmm. of those have ill intent, that's, a, that's bad. This is beyond bad. 
Think about that. I've, I've been thinking about it in these terms. I mean, I'm hoping these are people looking for freedom. I'm, I'm, you know, we live in Southern California, and we would run into people all the time that said, listen, I lived in a northern province. I saw the bodies that would be hanging from the bridges, you know, the beheaded bodies. They would hang from the bridges. That's how they would send messages. The cartels did. And I just had to get out of that, and we came to them. Pat and I both knew we would run into families, maybe at a restaurant, maybe something, and they would openly say, well, I came here. My parents brought me here. So there was a time and there were people. This surge coming across here, it's just being sent. And you're seeing images where you've got 400 men. It's like 400 men in a row. And there's no women. There's no children. Yeah. And we saw a guy that was identified as a 12-year terrorist. 12-year terrorist. Right. And now we see 260, you know, Chinese nationals. Gee, what are you boys up to? And, and the dilution effect, folks, it was 1 in 72 years ago. It's 1 in 50 now. And in a year and a half, it'll be 1 in 35 that's a, that's a people. Thought, that's so, yeah. 1 in 35 people are recent illegal immigrants within the last 48 months. And this is why, Tom, uh, immigration and the border has now overtake inflation as the number one concern and the number one issue on voters' minds in America today. And And I don't care who you are in America. If you see this... Just coming into your country, yeah. how do you say let them all in? Oh, but what, this open border policy is nonsensical. Adam, because they sold everybody, not not me, not us. They sold that whole BS. It's some open arms. When when uh, Jim Acosta, another snake for CNN, when Trump was like, these caravans, he's like, it's an invasion. You could look it up. He said, Trump said, it's an invasion. You know, Jim Acosta said, it's not a vision. They're just people looking for a better life. Are you letting them in your house? It's un- and you nailed it. That number is not bother. Those numbers. I think it's more than that. I think in four years it's going to be at twenty million dollars, twenty million people, and it's a wrap, guys. The damage has been done. Biden, congratulations, did an amazing job. May- Mayorkas did an amazing job. Love them or hate them, they did exactly what they wanted to do, and it's it's a wrap. I will say this. To try to give a freaking positive spin on this, because I don't know how you're going to remove these people from this country. You're not. I don't know how. Yeah. Somehow there needs to, and I'm not advocating for this, but I'm trying to take a positive direction on this. How are we going to get these people to assimilate (laughs) and love America? You're not going to. Okay. That's what I'm saying. No way. You're fleeing your country for a reason. How are we going to get them to appreciate America? You came here for a reason. You fled your country for a reason. I know a lot of immigrants who have come here legally, some even illegally, love America. Love America because it gave them an opportunity, the land of opportunity, the land of the free, the land of the brave, where they can make something better of their life. How can we get these guys to assimilate America? You've seen these men on the street interviews when they say, who was the first president? And they're like, "Uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln. No, wrong. Like. Uh, who who was in the American Spanish War? Uh, I don't know, China. It's like no American Spain. Basic questions, basic not- things about America. If they're going to be living in this country, not that I'm condoning that, you need to understand what America stands for. You need to love it's America. Not, Adam, there's absolutely no way. When ask Dick Durbin, Dick Durbin's like, let's just have them join the military. Are you freaking bananas? Are you nuts? When I say the damage is done, Adam, 20 million people are going to be here in, in this four years. So what's your solution <laughs> for these the, people? Well, Adam, guess what? Look, I, guys, I, guys, you need, a leader, you need a leader with the will to yeah. handle the criminal I, element and the will to make America a manufacturer power and tariff the hell out of China and give these people jobs. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's one of the ways. The other way is 
No illegal immigrants. No border. Close up the border. We're not taking anybody in for a year. One by one by one, you're going to have the greatest, biggest deportation we've ever done in the history of America. Then we're talking legally people coming in. That's what we're going to be doing. That's what's going to happen. You have to shut down for a year and a half. I say shut it down until end of 2025. I love Period. That. End of 2025. It's that tr- problematic. Mm-hmm. One, one out of 70, one out of 50, by the end of the year, next year, this time, one out of 35. You know what this means? This means at any point you're walking around, you know, you, you saw what happened. So imagine you win the Super Bowl. You're out there trying to celebrate the time with your guys that won the Super Bowl. And what happens? Shooting takes place. People Horrible. are afraid to go. To, you, you had one at the church. You had one at a celebration. People are like, w- what's the level of risk I got to go places? You know, what do I do? You know, you, you have the, uh, uh, the, 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 what do you call it, the, these sanctuary cities just releasing them. The girl that was on uh, uh, the Bill Maher, he says, yeah, as if something happened to you. Yeah, a guy came. Yeah. He came and robbed my, house, my yeah, and, and broke Jillian it into Michaels. And guess what? Newsom released him. Yep. He released him for the third time. He released him, and he's out there in the streets again. Yeah, I don't feel safe in a place yeah. like this, and right? Guys in New York giving well, everyone the Tupac getting finger. Built up, Are you getting kidding built me? Up. And in, in Detroit, there's a migrant gang that's going to all houses in Detroit and stealing millions of dollars. And they're shooting. By the New York migrants are shooting people in the street. But Pat, how do we get Over. them out? Okay. You're not going to get them out. Number one step is you need a president that's going to defend America and stop apologizing. Conversation on a couple of days ago where we were talking about money being sent to Rob, do you have the clip of all these guys selling fear porn that rushes up to something unless if we give money to Ukraine? Do you have that clip or not? If you, if you can find any of it, I don't know if you can or not. They're going to scare the crap out of America, crap out of America until that money is given to Ukraine. Yeah. They're going to scare the crap out of America until that money is being given to Ukraine. Zelensky comes out and talks about how, you know, we need your support. And the Senate did the right thing. Now it's on... You, you know, the House is, I'm grateful to every U.S. senator who made a morally strong choice today. Such a choice matters right now, not just for Ukraine, but for every nation whose independence is a target for Russian strikes, current and planned. Include those planned for coming years. The next step is a vote in the U.S. House of Representatives. We anticipate an equally strong moral choice and a decision that will work for the benefit of our shared security. Who the hell are you, bro? <laughs> to lecture. Who are you? I'm sorry. I'm. If there's anything out of all these stories that irritates me, is who? There's this. Who are you to tell the House and the U.S. that we're supposed to do? The next step is to vote a House of Representatives. We anticipate an equally strong moral choice. Who are you, the moral compass and a, cha- and a decision that will work for the benefit of our shared security? What do you mean the benefit of our shared security? What the benefit of our shared security? So they're going to sell for your porn. America is going to fall forward. That ninety-five uh, uh, billion is going to be paid out. You have the the Johnson clip where he says we're not going to be given the money. I don't know if you have it or not. The Mike Johnson talking about the fact that we are not going to be supporting the. No, I don't think you have it in here. I mean, he said he's going to take a vote. Yeah, they're not even going to take up a vote for Zelensky. So, but but the one reality that is real that we're experiencing in America, that border crisis is a real issue. We have to address that. And you shut it down. It's got to be a very bold, bold statement and a leader that has the brass to do something about it. Rob, is this it? No, I don't believe so. Okay, then don't worry about it. Let's go to the last story and then let's wrap up. John Stewart, okay, is back. And I'm sorry, he's back. Uh, uh, TV ratings, John Stewart Daily Show returns, hits multi-year high. 
uh, on the, who was the guy before him on Daily Show? Trevor Noah. Okay. If you want to know what a DEI hire looks like, these by, by the way, he's the, just he's the most what, unfunny person. I can't believe the label it's comedian. Shockingly, is how unfunny. Uh, he here was. you go. Horrible. So Hollywood Reporter John Stewart's first show back as. Part-time host of Comedy Central Late Night Flagship drew 930,000 viewers on Monday, the most for Daily Show installment in almost six years. Simul, simulcast on other Paramount-owned channels, MTV Paramount, da-da-da-da-da. And a later reply, uh, a replay on Comedy Central brought the total for the night to 1.85 million viewers. With Stewart, who left the anchor desk in 2015, hitting uh, familiar comic beats and an aggressive marketing push behind his return to Daily Show, also recorded his best same-day rating amongst his adults, 25 to 54, since August of 2017, the final te- 10 weeks of Noah's term as a host after he announced he would depart, the average viewership was 416,000 oh. nightly. Pathetic. Was it that bad? I never watched I mean, it. It's the worst. Like, You're I, talking I, to somebody that used to watch The Daily Show all the time with Jon Stewart, all the time on Comedy Central. I started watching uh, when Trevor, Trevor Noah Noah took over worst, in 2016. It was torture. I haven't watched since. Yeah, it was that bad. Why, why was it that bad? He's not. He's a funny number one. Person. He's not American. Okay, wh- what's this whole fascination of having non-Americans come in and just basically start talking about American politics? I love that. He's South African. Yeah. He's half black. He's half white. That's irrelevant to me. The number one thing you have to be if you're going to be on The Daily Show is funny. Just That's, be slightly funny because yeah. it's on Comedy Central, is it yeah. not? One, comedy is the I, word I, in there. I would look at this guy and I, I'm like, and talk, and this is somebody who was not exactly Shit. a fan of Donald Trump in 2016. Now I'm very even keel on the guy. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, I'm on your team, buddy. Give me something good, Trevor Noah. It was painful to watch. And so He's a DEI hire. Let, so what happened with Jon Stewart, Rob? Do you have a clip to show? Do you have any clips to show? Let's see what John Stewart's doing there. His video, by the way, uh, he did two days ago, uh, uh, three days ago, Monday, six million views already. He called it WTF is wrong with America going on right now. Go ahead and play this. These two candidates, they are both similarly challenged. And it is not crazy to think that the oldest people in the history of the country to ever run for president might have some of these challenges. Now, Democrats will say that any criticism like this, especially of Biden, is unfair. Because you just don't know Biden like they know Biden. President Biden, who I've been around uh, numerous times just in this last year, is sharp. He's focused. He's bright. He is sharp, (laughs) intensely probing and detail oriented and focused. This is a man who is sharp, who is on top of his game, who knows what's going on. He's smart. He's on his game. I was in almost every meeting with the president and the president. Look at her. Look at her. Was in front of and on top of it all. Really? Coordinating. Oh, hand gestures. And directing. No cackling. Leaders who are in charge of America's national security, not to mention our allies around the globe. <laughs> How many people are yeah. sharp and, and on top of this game? Film John, that. go back. <laughs> what does he say? National security, not to mention our allies around the globe. Did anyone Film that. <laughs> film Biden being sharp. Yeah. Because if you're. This is the Daily Show crowd yeah. clapping and applauding. If you're telling us behind the scenes he is sharp and full of energy and on top of it and really in control and leading, you should film that. That's that good. would be you, good. You to know show I respect this? People. You know I respect this? And st- he talked crap. This is the, this is the beauty about John Stewart. By the way, the timing is perfect because they know Biden and the left are in trouble. 
bring somebody to add some comedy. But the beauty about Jon Stewart, he is crapping on both sides equally. He talks about Biden. He talks about Trump. Let it be fun. Like Trevor Noah was just Trump derangement syndrome at its highest level. Everything was divisive, divisive, divisive unfunny you're a political activist your stand-up special is trash they could use it like when they're trying to torture terrorists and they want to get information Mm -hmm. just play that and i would spill all the beans the hell with waterboarding just play his special i'm glad he's back and i love to see it i'm glad he's back because he's 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 the way he's calling it but also underlines something that's going on here behind the scenes how many of those people said sharp and on top of his game all of them like they that's the talking point they were all sent out with the talking point and i think that look there's three chapters to this the first chapter was early last year the media was allowed to actually say things about hunter biden and the laptop and thing remember they were they were started to say things then they started to say things about biden himself Mm -hmm. and then there was talk about stepping aside stepping aside stepping aside coming from people inside dnc coming from people in his own party maybe it's time maybe it's time that was that first chapter second chapter oh all of a sudden gavin newsom's got the shadow campaign going and he's showing up and there was chitter chatter in that second chapter. now the third chapter is well we can't seem to the the media was really unleashed on the negatives so we can't seem to get him just to go this way so now they're all you 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 had the whip now here comes the honey Mm -hmm. so they're trying now it's like what a great guy what a great guy what a great guy sharpen on his game they're trying to get him i don't i think he is stubbornly sticking with it and is refusing to step aside what one of the problems i have is anyone who's on the extremes uh that's one of my enemies uh extremes so anyone on the left who's like, he's as sharp and as smart as it gets, he's on top of it, it gets, no, he's not, dude. But on the far right, they're like, well, he clearly has dementia. It's probably some sort of Alzheimer's. Uh, he's probably has major brain damage. It's like, well, I don't know if it's that, if you've ever met anybody with dementia, they're not exactly getting up and giving speeches. But the reality is the gray area and the black and the white here is clearly he's lost a step or two. And if you don't want the leader of the free world who's supposed to have strength and power and conviction out there sort of bumbling and stumbling out there. And he's always been a gaffe machine, but it's getting worse. We saw what happened when he basically is talking about Israel and Gaza Mexico. and Egypt and CC. And he's like, I was talking with the president of uh, that, that, Mexico. Mexico. CC. It's like, no, that wasn't was it is Joe. And I understand you're not always going to give the correct things out there. But sharp and vibrant and on top of it is not what he is. I, I, think, I think it's such an understatement when people, and I keep hearing this, he's lost a step or two. That's BS. He's lost more than a step or two. It's horrible. He'll it's beat unbe- you on a bike ride. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's unbelievable. God knows how many drugs they pump into him just to, just to speak, and that guy is in charge. So, I mean, he's not in charge. The they that he always talks about are in charge, but it's not a step or two, bro. He's lost a, a, a full mile of steps. That guy, he has lost his gourd. By the way, you think he'll ever sit just on a one-on-one? No. By the way, every question that he's asked, he'll never sit and have... Imagine you sitting with him one-on-one. Who? With Biden. Are you crazy? He does a daily podcast. Uh, (laughs) At 9 p.m. in his bedroom with no camera or mic there. Yeah, nobody's there. Back to the original original point here. Jon Stewart, welcome back. Uh, 1.8 million total views that night. That was three times what CNN got in prime time. 
that's what um, the youthful America and the people that following him, that's that was just on TV though. That's Nielsen ratings, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's six million. But apparently this is YouTube. Now you extend the social side, which CNN does not do well Mm -hmm. at all, that he's and his folks and his generation uh, that are watching him are consuming rab. Rat like mm-hmm. rabbit. Rab- and by Bobby, he's just John- there, he's just there for the this political season, right? He's 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 not we'll see. coming we'll see back. Where for- he's at. I mean, uh, well, that's what he's, he's, a, he's a necessary voice, and who knows where he goes with this? The reality with John Stewart is that he's a funnier, wittier, more reasonable Bill Maher. Good for him to be back. Congrats to him. I'm glad he was able to leave amicably with Apple when they were not wanting him to talk about China, China, China. and AI and different kind of issues. And <laughs> good for Daily Show to be so desperate to the point where the viewers were getting to 300,000 views. It showed at the end of it, Don Lemon, yeah. after the writers, it was at 300,000 people watching it to now being these types of numbers. That's but that's only going to be once a week. That's what DEI always. looks like versus a meritocracy. Damn right. No is that you're just going to double down on Trevor Noah, unfunny, un-American, yep. and you're just going to let your ratings tank and look at you now. Now you go Let's back to the web. Right. Guys, ahead. capitalism always wins at the end. You guys are fired up. We, it looks like you guys going to want to go another 30 minutes. Maybe you guys can do a SauceCast or BizDoc. Or oh, like BizCast. By the way, SauceCast today, 4 p.m., it's the Valentine's Day aftermath. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Join in, 4 o'clock today. So, me, a dating coach. And lovely ladies. So in honor of America, America so let me so let me say this. So let me say this to you guys before we wrap up. The podcast Cuomo and Candace Owens VIP is already sold out. Damn. For those of you guys that haven't yet registered, go to 5990live.com. Again, 5990live.com. VIP sold like this. 5990live.com. Get registered. We'll see you guys there March 8th with Candace Owens and Chris Cuomo. Having a conversation live for the very first time, talking, of course, hockey. We would never talk (laughs) politics, but we're going to be talking a bunch of different things. Take care, everybody. God bless. Bye-bye, bye-bye.